warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 357. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's mix it, clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers, and we uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers, only talent, it's the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, Puddin', you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. But if I'm being honest, this show creeps me the fuck out. I toss it. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to the show where I say something and people don't react to what I say at all. Is that is that a thing lately? Yeah, yeah. It's the podcast that we 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 relive countless moments of co-hosts bonded together in awkward silence after I say something. That is <laughs> that is a thing. I say something, nobody fucking says shit. You just fucking sit there like deer in headlights. It's fuck. It's like it's like what the fuck is it? Amateur hour? <laughs> like like seriously, I'm bitching about something that's been happening like the past few weeks on this one, and nobody's done me wrong this episode. Nobody's done me wrong this episode. I'm harboring anger. <laughs> it's probably safe premature anger yeah it'll happen it'll happen i'll say something it would be like oh I, do i laugh at that is that acceptable to laugh at it's like we gotta <laughs> we gotta do this mental tally of like okay is it safe to laugh at this or will i be judged for laughing at this it's like this fucking it's like this inner game that we play every week <laughs> <laughs> i don't think anyone's winning either i don't know that's a sensitive subject maybe i shouldn't laugh <laughs> uh, oh, I was on mute. I was on mute, Brian. I, I was laughing. I was laughing. I just had, I had, had to do the mental tally to make sure if it was okay to laugh at the thing that you said. And uh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Here, here we go. Here we go. No reaction. No reaction from you guys right now. You guys don't. Should I laugh at that? It, maybe it's not funny. It's probably not funny. I get, and that's yeah, fine. It was, it was pretty funny. If it's not funny, that's fine. You know what else is fucking not? Hey, welcome, Neil. How the fuck are you doing? I am doing pretty good. I'm, you know, always glad to talk to you guys. Been fucking busy as shit jumping on everybody else's podcast. Might as well come back here, right? Yeah, I'm glad that you're here. Hey, this was you. Hey, this was you. You said, "Hey, I'm, I'm available this week," and I said, "All right, all right." 
So if you're if you're yes, fucking, that's exactly how it went yeah, down. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but it's it's there's a little bit of like you know I'm on everybody else's podcast. I don't have any time to myself. I can't even. I'm, I haven't been able to do anything for Neil. Where's where's Neil time? And it's like, dude, you fucking. This is your bed, bitch. You made it. <laughs> I guess like, now I got a fucking line it, huh? Yeah, Damn it. laying that fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know, man. Nails. You know, this is fucked up. I'm getting so fucking goddamn sick of. I'm just like, commercials just drive me fucking crazy. And it's like this one, I, I got, I got Pluto TV and I'm watching, I'm watching like all the old, you know, you know, 70 sitcoms and shit like that. They got a whole channel there dedicated to Three's Company and then One Day at a Time, the old 70s one. Did you see the new one got fucking canceled already? I did, I did. The article I saw was like, this is not an old article. It's canceled again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're shopping that fucking show. Pop Network canceled it. And I think it's because of probably Shit's Creek not coming back. They Didn't they probably have them on the same night? I would imagine. That would be I smart. I think they were back to back. Yeah, that, that would be smart. You know, like, oh, I got done watching Shit's Creek. Yes, they did. And so I'll watch. And with nothing like Shit's Creek this season... It's like, do they have the comedy hour block that I don't know? I don't know what the fuck they're doing over there at Pop. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't pulling in ratings even after Shit's Creek. Yeah, but it's like one of those shows that they like, you know, they could have revived any show, you know, you think. And they, they, they did that one. It had a huge fan base. I thought it had a huge fan base. Anyway, so I'm watching Pluto TV and these fucking commercials for pampers diapers and it's like dude what the fuck like are we not there yet to where they have to keep improving a fucking like they're basically just fluffy shorts that kids shit in like what fucking improvements can you make to fucking diapers are we going to be dealing with this shit in like a hundred years like this we've made more technological advancements in Babies shitting in shorts. I like what the oh, fuck? Man. Like what the I, we I, can't I, like I, we're working on vaccines for the coronavirus right now, and yet it's like these fucking companies can't figure out a way to make a fucking diaper that is just a fucking diaper that'll work for every. They they got to always improve upon diapers. Is that where the, our fucking money's going? Improving diapers. How, how, how come they always show blue liquid too? How come they never show urine colored liquid? On yeah, no blood? shit. Yeah, like what is like, like a, a fucking Vulcan taking a piss in there or something? Yeah, am I crazy? It's like always some like blue scope looking shit filling up the diaper. Yeah. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Maybe whoever's pissing in that thing needs to have their diet checked out. <laughs> I, you know, I I'd like to see one of those commercials with like actual like lumps of of poop. Yeah, you know, that, like, like <laughs> yeah. a melted candy bar or something, right. like a fucking baby Ruth. <laughs> yeah, then Bill Murray can come in and eat it. <laughs> oh my god, that would be great. No, if it was just actual fucking like shit. <laughs> Let's put this shit to the test. And it's like they put on the diapers themselves. Like this can hold up to like you know like twenty pounds or whatever. It's like. Are you letting parents know that they can just be shitty and like not <laughs> change this kid for like a week and a half? <laughs> the diaper weighs more than your newborn now. Like what the fuck? Oh, man. It seems like a terrible demographic too. Like anyone watching the Pluto old sitcoms, their kid is long out of diapers, you would think. 
Yeah, I, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, usually it's the fucking like, uh, what is it? The, they got a lady hooked up to like this oxygen thing or, um, <laughs> like this fucking portable. It's like they got a commercial. I can't get up. Yeah, by falling, I can't get up. The portable catheter, some lady. You know, I love this thing. I'm, I'm pissing in it all. I'm pissing in it now. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's so weird. I don't know, man. We're skipping iTunes reviews this week. Uh, we're, we're doing a hard stop this week, everybody. Gonna f- switch things up a little bit with the format this week. The, the, uh, Tyson, uh, Roy Jones Jr. fights tonight. So we're gonna do a hard stop, uh, here. Uh, tonight. So, yeah, but we are going to be talking. We're, we're, like, we're going to do good pop, bad pop, and all that shit. But we're going to start off talking about um, uh, some of the Marvel news, Disney Plus. There was a, a, nobody's really talking about this, but there's like this video, and we're going to talk about this, this Disney Plus leaked video. And like I had heard about it, I hadn't seen it up until like a few days ago. Like I've been hearing about it for the past week, and I finally saw it, shared it with you guys. We're going to talk about that video. But, um, and then we're going to talk, I got some other stuff we're going to talk about. Of course, we're going to talk about the Mandalorian, but, um, yeah. So flip, yeah, we're kind of, kind of doing the show differently this week. How I crazy with it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get jiggy with it as the, <laughs> as the fresh prince once did. Is anybody still left getting jiggy with anything these days? When's the no. last time anybody got jiggy? No. no, it's not safe to get jiggy in 2020. <laughs> yeah, no, no jigging, no jigging, jiggying, whatever. Yeah, none of that. <laughs> you thought I was gonna jig and I jagged. You know, like, oh. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Fucking diapers, man. Like, just make a fucking diaper, just the diaper, like the diaper to end all diapers. You know what I mean? Like, can't they do like a fucking like? Remember when like Marvel and DC crossed over? Like, can't. Huggies and Pampers just like do a diaper crossover and make like the ultimate diaper and just be done with it. You know, it's like now you're getting on the comic book pages for the very first time, Spider-Man and Superman together. Now it's like, can't we just get like one fucking diaper to rule them all? (laughs) It's a vicious market, the diaper market. Oh my God. Lord of the elastic ring. That's all I want is a fucking one diaper to rule them all. Okay. Jesus Christ. I want a diaper so powerful it can it can contain Middle Earth within it. Just like if a kid wants to take a Middle Earth shit, it'll contain it. They should just eradicate all the fucking diapers. I mean, how terrible for the planet are fucking diapers. Like go fucking wash the cloth, you lazy ass sons of bitches. Yeah, I mean if you hey, if more power to parents that can do a cloth diaper. But it's so much like that's a lot of work. And I know I know some mothers out there that have done it. That's a lot of fucking work, man. That's a lot of fucking work. So, yeah, yeah. Hats off. Hats off to you ladies using cloth diapers out there. <laughs> we had the diaper genie when my brother was born. You know that thing where you, like, stick the diapers in and it ties them all together in a big diaper snake? I, uh, diaper genie. I thought this was like a Nintendo attachment. <laughs> like Jake was shoving dirty diapers into his Nintendo entertainment system. Yeah, you get unlimited shit. Jake was like, oh, my gosh, guess what? This game's shitty, too. <laughs> you know? Oh, God. that It was already hard enough to get the pins to connect in the Nintendo, but when you put that motherfucking thing on, it was like, good luck. Yeah, you got shit-stained fucking controllers. What, so what, hold on. So what's this diaper genie do? It, like, consolidates all the diapers into one, like, small thing to take out into the trash. It, like, ties each dirty diaper together into, like, a giant dirty diaper daisy chain 
Wow, that's nice. That's uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah. I've got a brother twenty years younger than me, or I would have no idea what the fuck this thing was. But <laughs> and, and it's like a vacuum where you have to like buy special bags to put into it that will do all the the tying it together and everything. Yeah. It's it's pretty fucking bizarre. We had a diaper genie in my house. We called her mom. Hey, that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. one of those. Should I laugh at this? Should I laugh at this? <laughs> I was laughing at the accent more than the joke. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that makes it fat. That makes it fine then. That makes it less sexist. I think it makes it worse that I was laughing at the accent. <laughs> that makes, yeah. That, 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 that almost makes it racist. <laughs> Jake is just like, I, I just want to be included under the umbrella of all the evil things that that joke consisted of. <laughs> just, just, yeah, just put check marks on everything bad with that one. Oh, I laughed at all the wrong things. Yes, there. You did. I usually do. Yeah. Oh, man. That's the truth. Neil, Smorgasbord, how is Smorgasbord doing? It's doing great. I mean, Steven's an awesome person to co-host with, and we're having a great time breaking these episodes down. It's been a lot of fun. We actually got to have Rebecca on for our first and so far only guest. Uh, um, so that was that was a lot of fun talking with her. That was our longest episode by far because <laughs> we went down some serious trek rabbit holes. But yeah, it's been it's been a great time. Yeah, um, been having a good time with it. Very cool. Smorgasbord, uh, weekly, doing it weekly? We are doing it weekly. We do it the Saturday after, uh, the episodes drop. You're doing it weekly. Are you doing it, doing it, and doing it well? As LL Cool J once said in the 90s. <laughs> well, I don't know how well we're doing it, and but doing we're doing it. Doing it, well. And doing it, and doing it. Oh man, LL Cool J back in the 90s. All the women were creaming. And dreaming about ladies. Oh, yeah. I think some still are for LL. Oh, yeah. Ladies <laughs> love favorite, Cool J. My favorite LL Cool J was uh, in Toys, that Robin Williams movie with oh uh, yeah, Joan Cusack and Debbie I, Coleman. Oh, no. I, Toys, I was thinking of uh, what was uh, the other Robin Williams movie that I really I, – I, Toys I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, no, no one was. It was a huge flop. Yeah. Toys is weird. <laughs> my fucking mom took me and my friends to go see it in the theater because she thought it was going to be a, you know, a standard Robin Williams comedy. Yeah. It was not that. Right. <laughs> he has, he has done <laughs> some weird affected shit. affected my life after that. The one, the movie where he ha- did the, where he had a son that like died while doing autoerotic asphyxiation. That was a, have you ever seen that one? No, what is that? Is that? It's a fucking R-rated dark comedy, man. It's I can't remember the name of it, but it you can stream it out there, I'm sure. But like it's like it's darker than Death the Smoochie. It's fucked wow. up, man. And I love Death the Smoochie. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Great fucking movie. Jiu-jitsu. We talked about jiu-jitsu last week and the week before, and I'm giving out four copies of jiu-jitsu digitally to four lucky winners this week. And so, let's go over who those fuckers are right now. Let's find out who those sons of fucks are that won this game? Do, do you ever hear? Do you ever hear? Uh, you ever hear any other podcast call uh, their, their their the winners their their entries? Sons of fucks. Yeah, I sons like. Of fucks. Yeah, I like to catch people. You know, I like to catch them off guard. You know what I mean? I like to like people are listening. All of a sudden, I catch them off guard. They're wobbling a little now. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> Got to get my bearings here. The uh, the host called me a called me a 
something or other. I, I can't remember. Anyway. Sons of Fox. Sons of Fox is what I call them. All right. Let's see. Who's the winner? Who's the first winner here for jujitsu? I think we're all winners when we watch jujitsu. I think we're all winners when we go to our jujitsu. I'm going to shut up. Um, Jason Fell. <laughs> Sorry, I was on mute. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, seriously, if they don't land, you don't have to react. Um, it's the ones that are questionable, where you guys don't react, that it's just like, Jesus Christ, got to get something. Give me something. Uh, first winner, Jason Feld. Jason Feld. Jason Feld down. That sounds like, yeah, Jason Feld. <laughs> I felled it down. Jason Feld it down. Somebody picked him up, please. Um, <laughs> Jason Feld, and he can't get up. Um, let's see here. All right, Jason Feld, you're the first winner. We got uh, number two. Three more here, people. That's how math works. Uh, let's see here. All that. <laughs> the suspense is killing me. It's killing me. This episode's killing me. Um, <laughs> Nate Ria. Nate Ria, you win. You're a big fucking winner. Uh, number three, Nate Ria. Congratulations, Nate Ria. I'll get everybody's fucking digital codes out to him tomorrow. Mark Busking. Mark Busking from the nice. uh, Nerdaholics podcast. Also on the Leftover Army feed fo- uh, hosts the uh, the uh, What's Your Story podcast on the Leftover Army feed. Mark Busking, him and Lenny do the Nerdaholics podcast. Said that before, saying it again, reiterating. Um, <laughs> picking another name here. I'm I'm trying to get on my own nerves. This episode is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> How's that working so far? Oh man, it's like, dude. Like, if I had to hang out with myself right now, like, oh my god, I would go like full fucking Menendez on myself. I would murder myself. <laughs> Winner. Is this the final one? Number four. Number four. Justin Thomas. I like to call JT, Justin Thomas, my boy JT. Yeah, JT. JT, JT, yeah, yeah. He wins, Justin Thomas. <laughs> Justin <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I hate myself, this one. But yes, you, all four of you are the winners. I picked four, right? Yes, that was four. It was Jason Fell, Justin Thomas, Mark Busking, and Nate Rhea. You're the big four winners. I'll send that out to you tomorrow morning. You'll get, they'll probably get this before they even fucking listen to the episode. That's how yeah, on the ball I am. I even listen. I won. I'm done. You know what? Fuck it. I might, I might just send them the winning emails now while we're recording and have people just like <laughs> listening to me as I send the winning emails. <laughs> I like it. That's kind of, some instant correspondence. Yeah, that's going to be some like organic podcasting. Um, so yeah, those are the big winners. <laughs> Guys, we're going to be jumping into, I mean, we're going to be jumping into right now. I've got, we're going to do Marvel news first. There is this Disney plus leak that came out this week. And it, I'm putting a question mark there because we don't know if it's legit. I don't know what you guys found out on your own, but I mean, the consensus that I've seen is like, nobody knows if it's true or fake and you can come to your own conclusions. So I sent you guys the link to the Disney plus commercial. It's either fake legit. And, and it was supposed to debut during the December 10th investors call. And it reveals a lot of the upcoming plans for the service going into 2021. And some of these reveals, if they're true are huge. Um, 
The first one is just MCU spinoff series, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, set for a weekly rollout on August 13th. So I think, weren't we supposed to get Falcon and Winter Soldier this year? In a, yeah. yeah, I think that's about a year later than year it was later. to originally air. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, some people have been questioning that. But I kept thinking to myself, well, they're doing the same thing with Black Widow. How closely does this tie in with Black Widow? If it's coming out a few months after the Black Widow release, then this might make sense to make everything like cohesive. But uh, the other reveal in this commercial is April 16th, Black Widow will drop on Disney Plus premiere. So they're going back to the Mulan way of doing things. This is not going to be like what they're doing on Christmas Day with Soul, the Pixar film, the animated film. This is basically on April 16th, Disney drops Black Widow on their services for a $30 charge. And then after that, probably, you know, a month or two after that, the VOD deals kick in, whatever. Like now you can actually go to a store and buy Mulan on Blu-ray. It's sitting there on the shelves at the store. So is it yeah. available? they still want 30 bucks for it on the uh, online though. That's crazy. But you can get it on like, what about on just like Voodoo or like Amazon? No, I swear. I just saw it on iTunes like this week and it's still like 30 fucking bucks. That's ridiculous. It better be 4K. Is it 4K? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, they have dropped it to 1999. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the rumor is April 16th, Black Widow will drop on Disney Plus Premiere. Um, and one of the other big um, reveals in this commercial was uh, plans to launch Disney 18 Plus. That would include movies like Deadpool, Logan, Bad Times at the El Royale, Alien and, and other Fox films that uh, Disney has been farming out to Hulu. So um, in the video, it says at the end, everything comes home. So I, you know, basically trying to make the service even more appealing. Um, and I mean, they I mean, they've been talking like people online have been talking on Twitter. The, did you guys see the quotes from Matthew Ball? He's the former Amazon Studios head of strategy, and he was tweeting about this. No, I didn't see no. that. He was asked, like, hey, is this for real? And his response was, been asked about this leaked Disney Plus trailer for Disney, Disney's December 10th Investor's Day. It feels real to me, though I get skepticism. Uh, if true, it would be a huge value unlock for Disney which is why it feels so real to me. It fixes ARPU, uh, average revenue per user, uh, engagement, theatrical plus COVID, um, TAM, total addressable market, and Fox. So it addresses everything. It takes care of everything. He's also tweeted that the commercial might be great, might be a great fake, or, quote, just for abroad where there's no Hulu. But it makes so much sense. More revenue, more subscribers, more engagement, simpler offering for Disney and viewers. So I want to know. I mean, guys, I, I had heard about this. I've been reading it about, about it on Reddit, but like I had not seen the commercial for myself. I've probably watched it five, six times now. It does look legit. Um, Neil, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead, Jake. Yeah, I was going to say I watched it like about three times and – yeah, I mean, if it's fake, it's a beautiful fake because they, they nailed the editing. They nailed, like, the font, the way they say the titles on the bottom left-hand side of the screen. I, I mean, 
it's a beautiful fake if it's a fake. So it, it's easy to kind of think it's real. I, I'm curious about the uh, the Disney 18 plus stuff. Do you think we know the Black Widow stuff is a direct result of COVID, but do you think the 18 plus is also in that camp? Do you think that was always the plan or it's another side effect because of what's going on with COVID? I think it's COVID, man. I think like all this stuff would have like, first off, it's an easy way. Number one, they're just trying to like kill two birds with one stone. It's an easy way to integrate Deadpool into the service now because Mm -hmm. it is Marvel. And so it's like they can have it all there together. Um, And it's just, I, I don't know. I think that I don't know. And I don't know if that would have happened had it not been for COVID. I feel like now, like they are putting all their eggs in one basket with trying to, cause their, their theme parks are not doing anything and they're not able to do anything in the theater. They've got a, they, I guarantee you, they are just so fucking thankful that they got the infrastructure for this all taken care of. And they've got this thing launched before COVID they have to be super thrilled that this is a vi- like it's out there now because like this is like they're trying to get new subscribers. They're trying to get new subscribers. This has to be it. Like they're they're trying to get new subscribers and they're trying to like stay ahead of the game, man. I think everybody yeah. everybody's having to adapt. Everyone's having to adapt. We're seeing fucking companies do things I never thought they would do, and it's all so they can stay ahead. I mean, dude, you know you don't want to get in the red, and I feel like I feel like it's. People are they're going to get in the red regardless, you know. But yeah, I think you're right. I I think that they were fine having it be just a family friendly streaming service until now. A streaming service kind of has to be the be all end all. Yeah. During COVID times, I I think you're right. I think the 18 plus is possibly a direct result of what's going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, do you guys think that they'll charge more for the 18 plus service or do you think it'll just be uh, a part of our normal subscription plans? Part of the normal subscription. I would guess part of the normal subscription. There's just going to be parenting, parent, parental locks and stuff like that, that they're going to go nuts on. They're going to go nuts with those parental locks. <laughs> Mickey's going to be like wagging his finger at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're going to go nuts with those parental locks with the, with, with it being Disney. And yeah. Um, so, but yeah. here's the and thing. I mean, oh, go ahead. Like you guys have said it already. Like this does look like a legitimate, uh, advertisement package that they put together with the fonts and yeah. just how it's, it's, it's laid out. And the actual footage they used was really like, the way it was spliced together with the music, it just it just looked really, really, really legitimate. Um, I mean, and if it's a fake, man, my hat is off to whoever made that fake because it looks absolutely legitimate to me. Did you guys see the deep fake of they took uh, – we're going to get back to this. Did you see the deep fake of Tron Legacy where they took fucking um, – oh, I can't even think of his name. Huge actor. From Tron. Jeff, Jeff, Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. They took Jeff Bridges, his original, like when they de-aged him in Tron Legacy, and then they had the dude from Deep Fake fucking do it, and they put him side by side, and Deep Fake looks so much better. <laughs> oh, yeah. It wouldn't be hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, well, it's just crazy what 10 years of technology and just like what you can do at home now. Yeah, it is just wild, like, it's, especially with the CGI, like, 
even yeah. just watching movies that were 10 years old, it's just like, Oh uh, yeah. I was about to send you guys that video today, but it, it slipped my mind or something, but man, it was f- fucking crazy how much better the deep fake Jeff Bridges, the DH Jeff Bridges look than the actual movie itself. And I love Tron legacy. I thought Tron legacy was a fun movie. Anyway, no, I'm a big fan too. Um, here's the thing. The video says the 18 plus Disney, um, element won't launch until april of 2021 but then in the same video says that the r-rated kingsman the secret service will be streaming on march 5th so i mean is that is it just kind of like they're just going to have like a soft rollout with one film because the kingsman they've been delaying theatrical release on that one um anyway so they're just going to have a soft rollout for it in March. Yeah, that's weird. That's one of the few signs that make it seem like it could be bullshit. Like they, they messed that up. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. It also could like, it also could be like, it's a fake, it's a fake video, but it looks, it looks so good if it's fake. <laughs> yeah. Cause I agree with you that Disney's really going to lock that shit down with the parental controls. So oh, yeah. I don't think there's going to be any kind of soft rollout when it comes to that. I, maybe they'll use the, if it's real, Maybe they'll use the Kingsman as a way to make sure all that shit works with just one movie before having, you know, mm-hmm. a gluttony of R-rated material on there for your kid to accidentally it, click on. It'll be the first. Yeah, like have yeah. a password protection for uh, that movie specifically in order to watch it. They'll figure out that way if it's actually effective or not. Maybe they had thought about that date first before they actually thought about this and they just went with like the placeholder date. I don't know. It just seems like a big thing to kind of mess up for something in an investor's call. Yeah, I agree. It's the fishiest thing in that trailer that you could point to to say this is bullshit. Yeah. Because everything else looks fucked. I don't know. We could be finding out. um, Because once that investor's call happens, December 10th, you know, we're going to find out. Like all that news gets leaked. All that news gets out there. You know, so we'll find out. We will find out because, you know, you've got people that are investors in Disney that are going to be on that call listening and we'll find out then. And they're going to want people to know, you know, exactly what the, they have planned going into, you know, the new year into 2021. So we'll see if this is something that they roll out. This Disney 18 plus we'll see. We'll find out if they're going to fucking do the they're not doing. And what's crazy about this, though, is they're not doing the Wonder Woman route where you just have to have the subscription. Wonder Woman is only though, even though you're getting it for free on HBO Max, if you have an HBO Max subscription, it's only available for one month. After that, really? they're, yes, they're pulling it from the service. They already have VOD deals in place. Oh, okay, yeah. So they have to pull it for that reason. But, um, yeah, so it'll be, you'll be able to watch it, you know, December 25th. You'll be able to watch it for a month. They're not doing that here with, uh, with Black Widow. Do you feel like they just, they're like, well, we're already giving you a fucking Pixar movie. We're not giving you Black, <laughs> we're not giving you Black Widow. Yeah, I mean, it definitely made me groan when I saw the premiere access in the parentheses. I mean, I'm not excited to pay another 30 bucks to watch a movie at home, especially one that would be so much more enjoyable on the big screen. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, I, they got me. They'll, they'll get my 30 bucks. That's, that's for <laughs> fucking sure. But, oh man, it's really going to make me judge the movie more harshly, I think, if I, if I don't like it. Hmm. Do, do you think that, 
they're doing it this way because they had success with the Mulan. I, I don't know what the numbers are on that or anything, but if it was if that was a successful plan and they made enough money to at least recoup their losses, yeah. Uh, do do you think that that's why they would do it this way? I definitely think I, they looked at the numbers and then they look at people that are you know seeing these Marvel movies and then they also looked at like. Are we going to have to make another announcement of layoffs? And mm. and they might. I mean, the layoff announcement might be right before they announce this. More layoffs. And I don't know. I, because isn't that what happened last time? I could be wrong. My memory could be wrong I here. thought they came right after. I, I could be wrong. I too. felt like they tried to lessen the blow after to be like, oh, now, but you're getting – I don't know. I can't remember. I could be wrong. <laughs> Don't feel bad for these out-of-work people. Here's Milan. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Not it's like we're in a global pandemic or anything. <laughs> it could go either way, Neil, on that, though. I mean, it, it, Mulan could have not done as well, and that's why they're doing this. They're like, well, Mulan didn't do well. Let's see how a Marvel movie does if we try mm. it. That makes sense. I think Mulan did – I think it did well, personally, from, like, everything that they've come out and said. Um, I don't know if it did better than it would have in theaters. We never know, though, with these kind of movies. I think, like, Lady and the Tramp gets released in theaters. It's going to bomb, you know? Agreed. Mm-hmm. Dumbo didn't wasn't huge, I don't think. I, I can't remember. It was not huge. Yeah, so, it, but, but Mulan's a completely different thing. I don't know. I don't know how Mulan would have done. Um, yeah, it had a lot of, like, weird stuff going for it, too. It, 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 who knows how it would have done? I know people were definitely angry at it. There was some controversial shit going on with the lead actress. Yeah, yeah. Some of the stuff going there. I don't know if that would have affected it. That would have affected their market in China. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I would love to know the, the, the numbers, though, like how many millions of dollars they made just on the premiere access. I, it's too bad we don't get that information. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the only thing that we were able to see, and I, can't, I couldn't tell you, is like how many new downloads of the Disney Plus app came in after um, the the movie came out. And that's the only kind of like that's the only kind of statistic that we were given is like how many new you know downloads of the Disney Plus app were available. After I can't remember, I don't remember those numbers. Yeah, and that's only like half the answer, though, right? Because I mean, that, that's you're you're not seeing the people that already had Disney sure. Plus that paid for the premiere access. Exactly, so. exactly. Yeah. But uh, th- it was a big bump. I remember that, and I, I from everything I read, they were they would they would have guessed that Disney was happy with it. So I, I you know, I don't know. So we'll see. I mean, we'll find out after <laughs> after this investors call if this is real or bullshit. If you had to guess, what do you think? Do you think this is you giving? Are you saying yes, this is real, or no? I would guess yes, this is real. Same. Oh man, (laughs) if I had to guess, fuck man, it's so hard for me to say this is real. I'm going to be the oddball and say (laughs) no, it's not. It's not real. But yeah, I don't fault you for that. Yeah, yeah, I can totally go either way. It definitely feels like after the Wonder Woman announcement, though, that this this is like a counteract to that. Right. Yeah. 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 It's just it doesn't. It, it, man, it's just it's not as like consumer. I don't think as cons as, as like people that are like you know that watch these movies that love these movies. Like I think people are way more excited about the way that Warner Brothers is rolling this out. 
Well, yeah. But, <laughs> but no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like Disney on the flip side is like, well, you're already getting soul for free on Christmas Day too. So it's not like it's not like you're not getting anything out of us. Like you're already getting soul. Like and, well, plus the Disney Plus app app is itself the subscription is so much cheaper than the HBO Max subscription. Yeah, it's about half. That's true. Yeah, but I'll be honest with you. There's so dude, I would spend all day on HBO Max as opposed to fucking Disney Plus. There's so much more. There's so much more. And I think their interface is fantastic. It is I think it's great. I love the way that they've broken everything down. There are so many great movies on that service. So many yeah. great movies. <laughs> and you know, just like just like you know, fuck man. I mean, and then the shows, you know, Fresh Prince. We just watched the reunion that we talked about last week. There's so much on there. They got Ghibli. They got the DC stuff. Um, a lot of, uh, yeah, uh, Adult Swim, Funimation. Don't they have Funimation on there, or is it Crunchyroll? Uh, I, I don't. I, I think it's Crunchyroll. It's not everything. Not sure. It's not everything, but it, they do have samplings on there. Yeah, it's it's like a selection of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I've been way more pressed with the rollout. And you know, we can talk about, we can talk, you can talk about the amazingness that is the Mandalorian all day, but at the end of the day, like that's been the biggest thing that they've had going for them on Disney Plus. I'm not, I'm not going to say that's the only their thing I really watch on that show. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, man. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of Disney Plus, but I, I, I'm the outlier and I completely get what you guys are saying. And, and you're going to have that. You're, I'm going to talk to people that are going to be like, yeah, man, I went on there and I watched Fly to the Navigator for the 45th fucking time. It's like, dude, that's cool, man. <laughs> that's fucking cool, man, that you're watching Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers and you're fucking 45. That's cool, man. That's cool. No, man. <laughs> That's cool. But man, I'm not, I can't. It's like, I can't. I want the new stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I, but I have been kind of like, it's nice to got Home Alone back on there. I might be wanting to watch Home Alone this uh, Christmas season. So that's cool. But I'm with Neil. Like, I'm dusting this thing off once a week. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I get it. And I'm really impressed by, I didn't realize HBO Max was going to have so much stuff that they weren't even going to air on HBO proper. Yeah. I'm really impressed by how many HBO Max specific exclusive shows there are. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been blown away by HBO Max. I think it's fantastic. I think it's, yeah. I definitely don't cringe at paying $15 a month for it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like take my money. Yeah. It's well worth it. Have you seen, and I, I don't know if I'm putting any stock, I'm putting, actually, I'll put no stock in this next rumor. Thor Love and Thunder reveals a deadly, I got this from Inverse, and yeah, a huge grain of salt here with this kind of stuff. The only reason I'm really bringing this up, Thor Love and Thunder reveal, uh, leak reveals a deadlier version of Groot, and they're calling it a leak. It is not a leak. There's nothing really here that's been leaked. Here's the thing though, is that, uh, we know that Chris Pratt's going to be involved. We know the Guardians are going to be involved in Thor: Love and Thunder because you know Chris Pratt showed up to the filming in Australia, and then Vin Diesel. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Showed up to to film. He doesn't necessarily need to show up. He just is recording lines. Why is he showing up? They're saying through this leak that Groot. And this is because of quotes that Vin Diesel made in March when he was talking to USA Today. He said, the Groot that we're going uh, to get is Alpha Groot. You're going to lose your mind when you see Alpha Groot. And James Gunn denied Alpha Groot, said, like, that's not happening in his movie. But, like, in the next movie that Groot's going to be in, it sounds like it's going to be Thor Love and Thunder. Are we getting Alpha Groot in Thor Love and Thunder? 
And they're saying the reason that Vin Diesel's actually showing up in Australia is because uh, he's doing the motion capture for the character. And this is for, um, it's actually, it's Daniel Rickman who like when Daniel Rickman first started making some, you know, some of these wild rumors and stuff like that, he was kind of like right with, with quite a few of them. And he's been very miss lately with a lot of his, um, with a lot of his like scoops and stuff like that, rumors and leaks and stuff. So that leads me to hesitation, but, um, they're talking about, uh, Vin Diesel showing up, you know, doing the motion capture for the character and then playing Alpha Groot, who in the comics can reach a maximum of 23 feet and 8,000 pounds, um, and is worthy of holding Mjolnir. Hold on here. An alternate Earth version of Groot was once a part of the Thor Corps, an organization comprised of Mjolnir-wielding beings tasked with protecting the galaxy. Having a Thor-like Groot showing up to fight alongside the Thor, uh, alongside the God of Thunder, would be quite an impressive feat. So, yeah, I don't. I have no idea. I, I am. This smells like bullshit to me. I, I, yeah. It's such a James Gunn created character that I just can't imagine such an evolution to the character happening in a non James Gunn written piece of material. You can say that, but James Gunn's only coming around and doing one more movie. And I mean, the first time that we got, you know, um, uh, Scott Lang being giant man was in Captain America Civil War. So Yeah, I agree. I agree. But everything that I'm hearing about this movie is like it's going to be more of an ensemble cast and it's going to be kind of like they're comparing it to like a Captain America like Civil War, like where it's like a it's it's a bigger movie than you know, with an ensemble cast and, and Jake, I, I, I'm just saying this, like, I don't know. No, I agree. You're being devil's advocate, <laughs> but yeah, I see what you're saying. And even if it is the case, I think Taika would, uh, would get James Gunn's blessing to make that next step where I doubt the Russo brothers gave two fucks what Peyton Reed thought about them doing <laughs> what they did with Ant-Man in civil war. <laughs> it didn't, didn't, weren't there a bunch of, um, members of casts of, of some of these movies that showed up like uh didn't michael rooker show up to set for avengers infinity war to throw off the scent of him dying in guardians 2 yeah and so, i think that didn't tom holland showed up for the from pictures that i don't think were doctored but i'm not 100 percent sure if it was photoshop pictures from people but like they showed like you know when they went back into the past and they went back into like the the avengers movie um in avengers endgame when they went back to new york and they were battling the chitari and stuff like that there were pictures that i had saw of tom holland in the spider right. suit on that set and like that never happened so, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was like in the so famous would, shot where they all gathered together. Even <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past Marvel one bit to fly these actors out to wherever the hell they're filming Thor: Love and Thunder just to throw us all off the scent because they've done it before. Yeah, I don't know. With like with COVID going on, I just 
Yeah, I mean that that is a good point with that the restrictions are yeah. more intense. Yeah. But with all this money that they have, I mean they can these actors can quarantine for a couple of weeks, fly out, quarantine again, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm sure if I like mean, if if Taika wanted him there for a good reason, he's got him there for a good reason. You yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I don't know. And it's not I don't know if the, I don't think they do any they don't do table reads for for these Marvel movies, do they? They don't do table reads. I don't think so. I, I think because of the secrecy involved, they do not. Yeah. I don't well, think especially I, not with Tom Holland around. Well, yeah, I've never heard of table. <laughs> I've never heard of table reads. Um, yeah, Tom Holland, no shit. Isn't Mark Ruffalo really bad about it too? Yeah. Yeah, is. Ruffalo's <laughs> terrible about it. He fucked up. He gave away a big ending and they tried to like in a, in an interview in one of these movies, he gave Don Cheadle. Yeah. Yeah. And like, (laughs) when you go back and watch the video now, it's just like, Holy shit. He gave it all away. (laughs) 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 Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Alpha Groot. I, man, I, you got to take everything Daniel Rickman says with a huge grain of salt. It, I think this all kind of like spawned from the fact that, you know, he showed up, uh, Vin Diesel showed up in person in Australia to do this. I think one can basically come to a conclusion if they want to make up a conclusion that he's there to do motion capture. And then he can, yeah. you can take his fucking previous statements of Alpha Groot, which James Gunn completely denied, but then say like, you know, well, maybe Vin Diesel was talking about his next performance. We know he's showing up in Australia. To do something, we saw pictures of him getting off the fucking plane. It was on Twitter. It was on Instagram. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. Would this be the first time Vin Diesel ha- has done mocap for Groot? Right before, it's just been yeah. like I know James Gunn did the dancing, but other than that, it's just been purely computer, right? I don't know if they have an actor like you know with um, you know James Gunn's brother Sean, Sean Gunn doing Sean Rocket. Rocket, but yeah. have you ever listened to his episode on uh, Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum? That is the only episode I've ever listened to. Oh, uh, so oh, you should oh, dude, you should listen to both both Bruce Campbell episodes. I did not know those were a thing. There's two Bruce Campbell episodes that are phenomenal. Yeah, I'll check that out. I'll check that out. I yeah, I listened to the Sean Gunn on your recommendation. It, it was really good. Yeah. He's a fucking Michael Rosenbaum, huge fan of Sylvester Stallone. And it's it's funny to hear him talk about meeting Sylvester Stallone and having Sylvester Stallone sign his Rambo lunchbox. It's fucking. So. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Next thing that I wanted to talk about. And these guys take these rumors with a grain of salt. News has been slow on the Marvel front. I'm giving you what I've got. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness rumors. These rumors come from 4chan. The only reason I'm actually reporting these is they sound awesome. Um, They sound incredible. Uh, People have been losing their shit over these rumors. I don't know if any of this is true. It comes from an anonymous user on 4chan. And uh, I'll just go over these one at a time. Um, Doctor Strange, Scarlet Witch, Mordo, Wong, and the Ancient One return. The new characters are Clea, Jericho Drum, America Chavez, Cogliostro, Nightmare, and Shuma Gorath. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's Shuma, a lot. Yeah. Shuma, Shuma Gorath is an ancient entity that feeds off people's fear and wants to use America Chavez, a young girl who can create portals between universes, as a vessel to spread madness and consume the multiverse. 
Nightmare is Shumagorath's shape-shifting, mind-bending enforcer who is sent to capture America. Uh, America Chavez, uh, Joe Casey, um, created character back in 2011. Um, I've read a few issues with America Chavez and, uh, you know, I'm not too familiar with the character, but I've read some issues and, uh, yeah, kind of like an interdimensional, you know, she'll, she'll jump between dimensions and, and have battles. She's got superhuman strength and, and speed and stuff like that. She's, and, um, but she did settle in the 616 for a while. So, um, very, like, if you, if you, if we're talking about a character that's made to show up in this movie, that would be America Chavez. I mean, with yeah, multi makes total sense makes total sense. I, but I, then again, I feel like this movie's getting a little packed. It's getting a little crowded, especially. Yeah, it's, it's Batman and Robining out a little bit. Um, <laughs> one thing I don't like about this rumor is I'm a huge fan of Nightmare, and I don't like him being portrayed as like a lackey or a lackey, henchman. Yeah. And if that is the case, I hope we get like a him overthrowing. Um, the big fucking fear tentacle thing, what whatever it's called, I forget. Oh yeah, Shumagorath. Yeah, yeah, Shumagorath. So hopefully it's like him coming to power instead of just basically being a lackey to that character. Well, there's more. I've I, got I've got more to this rumor. Like it goes on. Um, remember, guys, the director on this one is going to be Sam Raimi. Uh, Doctor Strange and Wong rescue America and assemble. And I'm talking about America Chavez. And assemble, yeah, nobody can rescue America. Save us. No. Please, Sam Raimi, save us. Yeah, there's, no, guys, there's no one that can, let's be serious. Yeah, we're fucked. Yeah, we're. <laughs> uh, and assemble a team to protect her, formed by Scarlet Witch Mordo, Clea, and Drum. Scarlet Witch is learning how to control her powers with Strange. Clea is the Ancient One's estranged daughter born with a connection to the Dark Dimension. Drum is a powerful voodoo witch doctor and former student at Kamartaj. Strange's plan is to contact the spirit of Cagliostro, the sorcerer who originally defeated Shuma Gorath, and learn how to re uh, reproduce his ritual. Mordo decides that Strange's plan is too dangerous, goes rogue, and sets out to kill America before Shuma Gorath can get to her. Wow. That's, that's insane. Wow. And he goes back and I hear he kills Hitler too while he's at it. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to make it a twofer. Baby Hitler. Ben, um, <laughs> the final battle happens in Shuma Gorath's realm of dead universes populated by physical manifestations of people's worst fears and nightmares. Benedict Cumberbatch, Chuetel, Ejiofor, Elizabeth Olsen, Benedict Wong, and Tilda Swinton are returning. Um, Sochil Gomez is cast as America Chavez and David Diggs is cast as Jericho Drum. Mm, Bruce, cool. Bruce Campbell will play Dr. Druid, the source of Supreme of a, <laughs> of a parallel universe in a small comedic role. That character is a character, um, that Stan Lee and, uh, Jack Kirby created back in, uh, 1961. So, um, that's awesome. Now, Drum is, um, brother voodoo, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, which I never – I didn't think that they'd be I, – I didn't think they'd be introducing him into this movie, and I didn't think that they – this is a lot, don't you think, to be introducing yeah, into one film? Too much. Um, Jeremy Irons has would, been – oh, go ahead. 
I, I, I do think it's too many characters in one movie, and I don't think they'll do that, but it do, wouldn't surprise me if this is kind of the rough outline of the plot, maybe with, you know, a fewer, a, a smaller cast, but yeah, that's, that's interesting stuff. Yeah. They said Jeremy Irons has been approached for Cagliostro, Charlie's throne, um, passed on Clea, so Vanessa Kirby. Uh, you'll remember her from like the, what is it? The last mission impossible Hobbs film. And Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. And then Jodie Comer are the current front runners for Clea. Nicholas Holt, who was beast in the Fox universe is in early talks for nightmare and Adam drive after Adam driver turned it down. So I don't know how much stock I put into this. I, I mean, it, it here's the thing. It's like, I, we keep hearing that this ties in with, um, WandaVision and the only thing that I got out of this that really would tie in is that she's she's learning how to control her powers with Strange in this mm-hmm. that's the only thing that was like I don't know man I part of me is like is it going to be a team up movie with Scarlet Witch or like by the end of the Scarlet Witch series is she going to be a villain mm. and Doctor Strange like that whole facility like in the in the trailer for WandaVision like you see like this government facility on the outskirts of the town where they're doing like this WandaVision Truman show that we see in the trailer and it's like this government facility like is it run by Ross and then i feel like at the end of it she's going to find out that they're trying to like keep her in check because they are they're worried about how she's going to deal with the death of vision he comes back in this, we saw the scene with him talking to Catherine Hahn in the car, and she's like, you're supposed to be dead. He comes back somehow. She learns the fucking truth. And now it's like, you know, um, you know, she's mad. She, it, we find out maybe it's led by General Ross, who's starting a Thunderbolts team or something like that. I don't know. But maybe like the person who set all this up was Doctor Strange. And like now he's the enemy. Like Doctor Strange was the one that was like, you know, I'm the source of Supreme. I'm supposed to keep magic in check here on Earth. I'm worried about her. I'm worried about Scarlet Witch. I'm worried what Scarlet Witch could do. Like, we've got to keep her in check until I can figure something out. And this is like what they did. I don't know, though. Maybe that's, that's a stretch. That's interesting. I like that. I would love for her to just fucking snap. Because of the government and Doctor Strange all trying to keep her in check. Well, they did like a House of MTs with there's the scene where she's like in like the the Lucy sitcom where it's black and white and she's opening like a bottle of wine or champagne and at the top of the bottle of wine or champagne. It's got a large M on it. So it's kind of like an Easter egg for House of M. Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, I she think... fucking loses her shit in House of M. So, like, that's, oh, yeah. yeah. So here's yeah, the, she does. yeah. So, like, and we know that Marvel's not going to adapt it to where, like, she loses her shit and, like, that's the end of the, of, of most of the mutants. Mutants haven't been introduced into the Marvel universe yet. They're just, <laughs> they're going to change this fucking story up a little bit, though, right? It could be the end yeah. of, like, they're, they're worried about the end of civilization as we know it. Yeah. I've always wondered if possibly it's something she already did. If that'll mm. explain the emergence of the mutants, hmm. you know, something off camera that we didn't know she did already. Yeah, she was uh, her and Vision were were they both got their powers from the the Mind Stone, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, as far as we know, yeah, 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 yeah. I do think the one rumor or one part of that rumor that 
will probably be true is the Bruce Campbell Doctor Fate thing. Doctor like Druid. Doctor Doctor Druid. Yeah. Doctor Fate yeah. DC. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> just because of you know he's going to be in the movie at some point. We all know that, and that would be pretty classic uh, Sam Raimi to, to throw in just a really random character. And it's got to be a ram. It's yeah for for Bruce Campbell to play a ram. Yeah, uh, yeah like a, just a cameo character, of course. Yeah. So, oh yeah, he'll be in it a hundred percent. Doctor <laughs> Druid yet to be seen, but Campbell will be there one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's all I got for Marvel news this week. I don't know. Did you guys see any other Marvel news that was like worthy this week? I I just didn't. It was just a slow week. I couldn't believe how slow it was this week as far as like news coming out. No, nothing big. I mean, lots of rumors and hearsay. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, you got shit. Um, Star Wars news. Uh, let's, I guess, you know, as far as Star Wars news is concerned, um, yeah, I'm not playing bumpers right now. I haven't played a bumper since we fucking started. So there's going to be, there's going to be some kind of like PCL purist out there, Jake bitching. Brian's not playing the bumpers. Oh, yeah, I'm done. Two stars. You know, I did it. I did it. <laughs> I, I did it to piss you off, you little whiny cunt. <laughs> this whole thing. This yeah, whole good th- thing your diaper lasts a fucking week, asshole. Oh, no shit. <laughs> ah, fucking big baby. Oh, man. Anyway, I'll... Eh, fuck bumpers this week. I can do what I want. Um, Star Wars news. I, get, I just want to talk about the new episode of The Mandalorian. Um... I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. I mean, this is like we we I I knew that this new episode was going to be since it was you know the the episode directed by you know Dave Filoni that it was going to be the Ahsoka Tano episode. I knew we were getting Ahsoka Tano this episode with it being Filoni. Um let me just I guess let me just get your and spoilers for the Mandalorian if you haven't fucking watched this one. So, yeah, we're going to fully spoil this and talk about this episode and and dive deep into this one. And I know we haven't been doing deep dives into the other episodes. I feel like there's just everybody uh, – there's every – I mean, you've all watched the episodes. You've probably listened to other podcasts talking about them. I just didn't want to, you know, tread on everything else everybody <laughs> talking about i felt like this was the first episode that i really felt like i really needed to talk to someone about it you know like you know i i I love watching these episodes but i felt like this was the first one as a star wars fan that i had to actually talk with other people on the episode about this episode like i don't know i mean i loved all the other episodes but i I didn't feel like i had to talk about frog lady's kids and baby you know baby yoda eating eggs and fucking you know fucking sand monsters and Cobb vanth all that stuff's interesting all that boba fett speculation it's all interesting this was the episode that i think like this was for like you know people that people i I did it okay here's the thing two questions two questions what do you think about the introduction to Ahsoka Tano? That's question number one. Question number two is, do you think this episode succeeded in keeping casual fans, like, fine with Star Wars, or like, with, with, with the Mandalorian and not confusing them too much? Or do you think, like, you think the casual fans are scratching their heads after this fucker? I, I know that, I honestly, I, I'll start. I think that I think that yeah, there were moments where they're like, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? 
you know, and I think there's moments of like them Googling who is Admiral Thrawn. Like that's happening, but it's totally. not, it's nothing different than when you went fucking went and saw the Avengers movie. And at the end of the movie, you're like, who's the purple guy at the end of the Avengers movie? <laughs> it's nothing different. It's nothing different. Thanos has been around. Thanos has been around for, for years. And they introduced him into the end of that Avengers game. His, you know, and so, and this is kind of the, kind of the same thing, kind of the same thing. I think that they, I think it was a, a, a pretty delicate balance. Um, was it perfect? It was not perfect, but I think it was a delicate balance. I think they did an okay job. I'll give it a fine job. I think as far as, I guess if I had to rate it, it's a taste it. It's fine as far as like how they handled everything. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you on that. It, it's a taste it. I, I think. I feel sorry for green Star Wars fans because Googling Thrawn is, can get a little dicey, right? Because there's history with the character that's been eradicated from canon. Sure. But then there's new fresh history that's been reintroduced in the, the Filoni cartoons. If you go to, if you go to Wikipedia, you can click on either legends or you can click on, you know, canon. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of it. If you, if, if it takes you to legends, which it probably will take you to legends first, you're going to be reading a lot of history about the character there. That, that doesn't even matter. Exactly. So I, exactly. Exactly. I feel sorry for the greens Star Wars fans there, but I don't fault Dave Filoni and the Mandalorian writers for that problem. Like that's not their thing. They didn't eradicate all that canon. It's a character that deserves to be brought up again. He, he didn't just diss a fucking peer after the stuff that we saw in the cartoons. Yeah. So it, it definitely deserves attention. And I, that was the most exciting part of the episode to me was that name being dropped and knowing we were going to see a live action Thrawn at some point. Uh, Neil, uh, and I, I, what did you think about everything? Ahsoka Tano being introduced, the, you know, how they handled everything. I mean, I, I, I'm, I haven't rated the episode. And let, yeah, before we jump any further, if we start rating things, let me play our rating system real quick. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. And to reiterate, I'm, I haven't rated the episode. I just talked about like how they handled like, I don't know, I guess mixing all this kind of like, you know, stuff from the Clone Wars and, and everything into this episode and like how accessible it was to like the fans. I think it's, I think it was fine. I don't think it was like superb, but I think it was fine. I don't, I, and I think anything that fans want to look up, they can, they're, they are going to go down a rabbit hole with, with Thrawn. But um, what do you think, Neil? Yeah, so I never watched Rebels. And I only saw the first season or part of the first season of Clone Wars. So I, my only experience with Thrawn is from the books, um, the Timothy Zahn books. Uh, but from what I've heard, he's like while the experiences that he's gone through are different, he's still a very similar character. Um, and it's very exciting because he was one of my favorite book characters. Um, and then I only have a very passing kind of familiarity with, uh, Ahsoka Tano herself. And that was when she was in the first season of Clone Wars as a young, annoying Jedi Padawan. Um, 
I really, really enjoyed the episode overall, and I thought it was pretty accessible for someone like me who does, like, I recognize the names. I may not have the full backstory of where they're at right now within the canon, but I've talked about this uh, multiple times. I'm not a huge canon person. I don't really care about a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I love the introduction of Ahsoka with, with in the even though the burned forest itself gave me some pretty nasty uh, uh, twitchy flashbacks to my own personal experiences with fire. Um, I, I thought that her like in the mist with the, with the ash in the air with the white lightsabers looked fucking badass. And yeah, and then I was talking with uh, Jesse Candelori while while she was finishing up Rebels, and she was kind of I, I let I told her go ahead and spoil that I, I may not even get to it ever. Um, so she was like screenshotting me stuff, and that even uh, that amped up my excitement even more for the introduction of Thrawn, a live action Thrawn, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. kind of just where Ahsoka had been and where she was headed, and yeah, I think like for someone like me. It worked really, really well as a little more casual fan than I think either of you are for Star Wars. Um, and this was, I would say this was my favorite episode of the season so far, even though I'm a huge Timothy Olly fan, fan. Yeah. This, this, this is a, this was a Tupperware. This was probably the first Tupperware of the season for me, even though I've enjoyed the whole season so far. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, I, I, I love this episode. I'll give it a Tupperware as well. I don't, Jake, do you want to rate it? Yeah, it's a Tupperware for me too. Um, I'm a huge prequel defender and we've talked a lot about how this connected to Clone Wars and Rebels, but it also, you know, brought the prequels to the forefront a lot too with the revelations about the baby Yoda child character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to unpack it and everything. It's like, you know, we, you know, we knew that he was going to Corvus to to locate uh, a Jedi and uh, Ahsoka Tano. He was told that by Bo-Katan to go there. And so, you know, I thought it was awesome that they just started out right out of the gate with fucking, you know, Ahsoka Tano just fucking showing off her skills. And, you know, basically she's trying to get information from, what is it, Magistrate Elsbeth, uh, Morgan Elsbeth. And, and fighting her and her men and like her her next in command is this guy named lang who is played by michael bean who fuck yeah which (laughs) i love that guy i love that guy i wish they would have gave him more honestly i wish they would have gave him more because i fucking like you know we get that fucking scene at the end where it's like they basically give us within the same episode a a western showdown between lang and the mandalorian (laughs) but then they they take it to the next level. We're getting a fight between Morgan Elsbeth and Ahsoka Tano, which is basically like a, an Akira Kurosawa samurai film. Yeah. So we're, get, we're getting yeah. both a spaghetti Western and a samurai movie going on at the same time Two you know, two big kind of like inspired star Wars, you know, things in cinema, you know, uh, clashing, like not clashing, but it happening at the same time, which I thought was awesome. And Michael Bean played Johnny fucking Ringo in tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I loved him as Kyle Reese in Terminator. I loved him as the as the Marine. I can't remember the name of his character in Aliens, but I, I love that actor. I think he's fantastic. He's great in the Abyss. Uh, yeah, he is in the Abyss. I can't even remember him in the Abyss. 
Isn't he, he like the, the main bad guy? Yeah, he's the, he's the yes, yeah, yes, yes. Take over, yeah. <laughs> he's got a mustache in that one, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's that I, scene when all the like chains are swinging around. Yeah. Oh, glorious yeah. in that scene. He's so good. He's so fucking. Good. You're right, man. Amazing. Uh but here's the thing. Okay, so on in this episode, Din uh, Din Jaren, the Mandalorian, wants to leave the child with Ahsoka to train him. I knew that that wasn't going to happen. I know, like, the, like <laughs> yeah. I knew that that wasn't going to happen. That is not going to happen here. That is not going to happen here. Like, that is what the show is leading up to. A lot of people are just like, you know, like, when's he going to drop him off the Jedi? And when's the story going to move? Here's the thing. Like, what have we not seen fucking Baby Yoda do? We'll get to his name. Yeah, we know. We'll get to his fucking name. Grogu. His name's fucking Grogu. Fuck it. But anyway, <laughs> what, have we, what have we not seen that little kid do yet? We've seen him, we've seen him eat frogs, we've seen him, you know, gaga goo goo and make noises and shit. I have not, to my knowledge, and I could be wrong here, I have not seen that kid break down and wail and cry. And I think they're saving that for the moment when it is like him leaving him with a Jedi. I think they're, they're gonna fucking pull on our emotions. That, this is all leading up to that moment. A lot of this is leading up to that moment where he walks away. Even to the point where it's like fucking, like, he could be back in the Razor Crest, left with that new Jedi, and we fucking hear Baby Yoda crying and using the Force to pull the Razor Crest back. Like, I mean, it could be that fucking emotional. Like, these are things like... <laughs> they, re- they really set that up, too. I, I agree with you, Brian. We're gonna like yeah they're gonna, they're setting it up for, to where like everybody who's been following this is gonna be crying like yeah they totally set it up Jake with like the fact like he looks at you as like a father figure and all this shit right even Ahsoka's reasoning for not training him is a setup to what you're saying like bringing up that the reason he can't be trained is because he has so much fear and that she's yeah. seen what fear can do to someone that gets the training <laughs> when they're already past the time they should get the training no one knows that better than Ahsoka. I think you're you're right on to something. Yoda's gonna, not Yoda, but Grogu is going to uh, have a big wailing <laughs> fit, and you're gonna see some really crazy force shit happening in that same fit. Yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna be emotional. I don't know if it's gonna be scary. I just think it's gonna be super emotional. I think it might be scary. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's fun to take something that everyone thinks is so fucking cute and then add horror to it. Like the egg eating, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think Favreau gets a kick out of that, yeah, and <laughs> I I don't think we're done with those kind of thematics yet in this show. Hmm. Are we watching then from going forward? Are we watching a Mandalorian story that splits stories? Mm. Mandalorian. I, I think it's a long time coming for the Grogu fit. I, I, it's at least season three, if not later. Where he's dropped off with the Jedi? Or, or where he tries to drop him off with the Jedi. I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with um, the temple thing, where Ahsoka wants, wants him to bring him to the temple, mm-hmm. see if another Jedi responds. Who could that Jedi be? Yeah. Let's, well, let's, before, let's, before we, let's start breaking all this stuff down, because I want to I unpack all of what you're saying a little bit more. Because there's a lot to to talk about here. Because Ahsoka reveals there's a lot of reveals about you know Baby Yoda. We find out the name Grogu. We find out that Grogu was raised in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant and received training from multiple multiple Jedi masters. 
Um, Yoda could have been one of them. And um, when the Clone Wars came to an end and the Empire took over, he was hidden away. Um, He was stolen away from the temple and then hidden. And Ahsoka tells Mando that she's not going to train him, but to go ahead and go to Tython, which is a mythical planet located in the deep core or the center of the Star Wars galaxy that's home to the ruins of what some scholars believe to be the very first Jedi temple. And inside the temple, which is at the top of a mountain, is a seeing stone that can amplify a Force user's power. Ahsoka says that Grogu will go there and make a choice. So basically choose his path. And, um, you know, this is, this is like basically saying like you can either fucking just have his force powers kind of like go away. But if you're going to pursue this Mandalorian, then go to this temple. She said, quote, if he reaches out through the force, there's a chance a Jedi may sense his presence and come searching for him. Then again, there aren't many Jedi left. So if you go to Wikipedia and you look in Star Wars canon, Tython was first mentioned in the 2007 novel Darth Bane Rule of Two. This is Star Wars Legends continuity, so it's not canon with uh, TV or film yet. Um, it was the original homeworld of the Jedi Order, which is the Jedi was spelled differently back then. It was J E apostrophe D A I I Order. And <laughs> I'm glad they workshopped that. <laughs> it, it that eventually that eventually becomes the Jedi Order. There's like, dude, they, they really get into like the this fucking Tython. This planet has like two moons, and these two moons are like. Like they're basically comparing these two moons to yin and yang, and they're always trying to overtake one another, and and you know they have to balance each other and shit. It all it's there's a lot. If like if you read the legend stuff, I can't get I can't even break it all down. There's a lot of history behind it, but it eventually it's, becomes, pretty, it's a pretty deep dive. It is. It's a super deep dive. <laughs> Were you looking at the same shit, Neil? Well, I've read all the book, all those books, so I remember you know, vaguely about it, but it, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the lore gets pr- pretty far into yeah, the weeds. Yeah. In and that I, early stuff. And I'm hoping like they, they don't, they don't need to get that fucking deep into this no. shit, man. But, no, especially in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, dude, Jake, we are getting in a little bit of like the weeds here with this show and like deep into this shit, because like, the first episode, we're like, oh my god, we're so far removed from anything like that we've seen like Star Wars related except for Mandalorians, which we haven't even got a ton of Mandalorians within the movie, movies at all. We, you know, and like, it's like by the end of that episode, we're introduced to like a baby Yoda creature. And like, now, like now we're, now we're bringing Jedi into this and all this other stuff, man. It's like, it's like, it's like full. Oh on, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Full on felony fellatio going on <laughs> with, but anyway, Tython in the Star Wars canon was first mentioned in a map created for the 2016 role playing game, Star Wars The Force Awakens beginner game. And then the planet actually appeared, I think it, yeah, it was, it was mentioned in Dr. Aphra, the comic. 
number 39, which what have we been and and but then it was we saw it the first appearance of it in Dr. Aphra, the comic number 40. What have we been hearing uh, rumors about that we might be getting one of these directors that they've tapped, one of these female showrunners that they've tapped for one of these shows. Um, we've been hearing rumors that she might be doing a Dr. Afra show. So there's been rumors of a Dr. Afra show. I don't know if you guys have read any of those in the past. It's kind of like I've not read them, but I, I've read about the character on Wikipedia. Well, yeah, but there's there's been there's been um, I can't remember. I, sh- I wish I had this all in my notes, but there's been a director that's been tapped, a female director, and she's going to be doing uh, like a character that like we haven't really like a part of the Star Wars universe we haven't really gotten into, in, 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 in as far as the films are concerned. And uh, there was something else that led people to believe that it could be Doctor Afra. But um, anyway, this Tython, we're going to be introduced to Tython. And I don't know, is it going to be the end of the season that we're going to be there? And we're going to see Baby Yoda. Like, is that going to be the big cliffhanger, Baby Yoda? And and finding out if a Jedi reaches out to Baby Yoda and who is that Jedi that possibly could reach out to Baby Yoda. Like, she says there aren't many Jedi left. Everyone is saying... Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. I I do think I think you're right on the money about. I think that will happen as the cliffhanger. I don't think they'll go so far as to tell us what Jedi it is, though. I think that's the cutoff. Mm. I'm gonna go further. I'm I'm. You know what? I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna swing for the fences when I give you my when I give you my prediction because that's what I like to do here. That's what yeah. I like. To, I don't like to keep it safe. I don't like to keep it safe. I want to fucking swing for the fucking fences. I'm going to go all out with my prediction. What do you think, Neil? You think Luke Skywalker? No, I don't. I don't, I don't think they're going to bring any Skywalkers into this. I hope they don't bring any Skywalkers into this. I'm done with the fucking Skywalkers at this point. Um, from what I have kind of gleaned from conversations with people and the very little research I've done, which is very little, um, maybe like Ezra Bridger. Is that a possibility? I think that this episode, when, at the end of the episode, when Ahsoka Tano says that she's after Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn, I think that this was a backdoor pilot, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more. I think that this was a backdoor pilot for an Ahsoka Tano live-action show, which mm. that, and I'll get into that a little bit more, I think that's where we might explore what happened to Ezra Bridger at the end of um, at the end of Rebels. But I would rather have it there than here. That's for sure. And I'm calling this now, and I'm probably wrong, but fuck it. I'm still going to call it. I think the Jedi that will answer Grogu at the Jedi Temple, and you can say like, oh, fuck, God damn it. Why are we bringing everybody back? I think we're going to hear Samuel Jackson's voice. I think it's Mace Windu still alive. <laughs> oh, man, I hope that's true, because nothing pisses me <laughs> off more in the prequels than Mace Windu's fate in episode three. It's like everyone can survive a fucking fall. He has to be alive. I think so. I think we, I think, I think we're going to get a flashback with de-aging and everything of Mace Windu surviving that fall and Mace Windu being the one that is able to rescue baby Yoda. As long oh as God, I'm like, like rubbing my eyes. Like, please let that be right. As long as it's the Samuel L. Jackson from like, what was that movie? Black Snake Moan. That's scary. Got, <laughs> you know, it's that 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 picture of him in the in the wife beater and the uh, the gray hair. 
<laughs> is he going to show up with a chained up Christina, Christina Ricci? Oh, shit. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, Neil? <laughs> just that just that version of Samuel L. Jackson is, as Mace Window would be oh, no, I want insane. The, I want the version from Pulp Fiction, and I want him to have a fucking gun <laughs> pointed at fucking Baby Yoda. And say, and I will strike you down with great. Oh yeah, <laughs> one more time, motherfucker. <laughs> fucking, he's eating fucking Baby Yoda's big Kahuna burger. Um, <laughs> man, but I, honestly, I think I think like we might, dude. And I know I'm swinging for the fences here, but I don't. I fuck all these conservative predictions. I'm gonna go all out. I think like. If it's going to be a Jedi that's still alive, I, I think like, and if you want to fucking blow people's minds, if we hear Samuel J- Samuel Jackson's voice first, and then all of a sudden we see his fucking face pop up, people are just going to be like, "Holy shit, Mace Windu's still alive!" Oh my god! And I know it's like, yeah, we're going back to nobody fucking dies. The Emperor came back, fucking, uh, you know, uh, uh, fucking Darth Maul came back. Everybody fucking nobody fucking dies for good. But we never saw a body, and it's a bullshit. Like Jake was saying, it's a bullshit way to die. I think like this fixes that. Yeah, this is. I, I've never wanted something you predicted to be true more than this. I mean, it's, I wish you would have just said, is, "I've never yeah. wanted anything you've predicted to be true." Period. <laughs> and then, and then came you. Then came you. I mean, that may have been the case before this. <laughs> so. Oh man, I hope that's true. I mean, what are the options? I mean, really on the table, what is there? You can you can invent a new Jedi that we've never met before. Yeah. Boring. You, yeah. Um Ezra Bridger, Luke Skywalker. Please no. <laughs> you know, or you know, fucking is Le- uh, they can't do Carrie Fisher. There's no way they're going to do Carrie Fisher. No, no. Uh, if it's Ezra Bridger, then the show is just too much of a Dave Filoni circle jerk at that point for my liking. <laughs> like, uh, please no. What oh, if God. they uh, introduce one of the other legacy characters uh, that have not been reintroduced into canon? Like, uh, what's his name? Oh, fuck. Like, there's a, there was a bunch of Jedi in the novels that uh, Kip, Kip and the Sun Crusher yeah. are going to show up? <laughs> yeah, something like, or maybe like Mara Jade or something. Well, I like Mara Jade. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Timothy Sod's going to yeah. get some royalty checks in the next few years, it sounds like. <laughs> they've been, yeah, they've been. Like, yes. Yeah, between, you know, they're going to that well, man. They're going to that well. They're using all the fucking artwork from, what's the what's the fucking guy's name? Did all the old artwork, the concept. Uh, Dave McQuarrie. Yeah, the McQuarrie art. They've been diving or into Ralph McQuarrie. Ralph McQuarrie. They've been Ralph. diving into the Ralph McQuarrie stuff. You know, they use a lot of McQuarrie stuff for The Force Awakens. They've been using McQuarrie stuff for um, The Mandalorian as well. So oh, a ton of it. A ton of it. You yeah. know. And I mean, going back to that well, there is some real sweet water in that well that they could easily uh, transfer over into into this new canon you know they, they have bare bones skeletons of all these characters that they could really flesh out and reintroduce to a whole new crop of fans yeah i'm hoping it's mace windu i know that there's going to be some people that are just like that motherfucker died and you're bringing back everybody but whatever i think it i think it fucking Fuck those people i think it's fucking cool 
I want to get a flashback of Mace Windu after he falls. He fucking gets back up. He does a chumba wumba tub thumper, and he's like, I get they knock down, but I get up again. And he fucking and he goes. I want to see it like at the beginning of fucking the two towers where you're seeing Mace Windu like the rest of the fall, and then he defeats the Balrog, and then he fucking comes back. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's like it's like you know, uh, fly you fools, and then like after the you shall not pass bullshit, and it, yeah. And then he's he comes back as Mace Windu the White, which is which Whoa. is which is fucked up, which is which is fucked up. It's fucked up, right? Because he's fucking it's it's Samuel Jackson. He's a black guy, right? Oh man, I will fucking bitch slap anyone if he comes back that complains about everyone coming back because no one's deserved to come back more. All those other people you named should have yeah. stayed fucking dead. Mace Windu needs to fucking come back. Like the Darth Maul bullshit, fuck that. Can you imagine? Emperor bullshit, can, can you, bullshit. Okay, but, Baby Yoda, uh, fucking, you know, they, uh, Mandalorian puts him uh, in this temple, sits him down, and, you know, he reaches out to the fucking Jedi. He fucking chooses his path. Ma uh, you know, fucking Baby Yoda chooses his path, and we fucking see. Um, and you know what? Baby Yoda, might a Jedi might pop up and and – and explain that, you know, he's not choosing the Jedi path, that he's, you know, he's choosing the Mandalorian. He, he doesn't want to be a Jedi or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to fucking find out. But what if we see like a fucking purple, just like a fucking purple uh, light before we hear the voice? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do kind it. Kind of like in uh, um, Rogue One when uh, that Darth Vader scene yeah. happened, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we find out in this episode, that's speculation on my part. This is all speculation on my part, but we find out in this episode that the child's name is Grogu. And apparently before this episode dropped, two months before the episode dropped, a Redditor dropped the name Grogu in a Mandalorian subreddit. Did you guys see that? No. Hold on, I yeah. On, you posted it on Discord. I did post it on Discord. Um... Baby, it, it was from user Denim, which I think is Gene's guy from the previous episode. <laughs> which, have you guys seen that they've digitally removed him now? Yeah. Yes, Gene's guy is gone. Gene's guy I'll is gone. I'll never forget him, though. Uh, Baby Yoda is going to have a name in season two. This is from two months ago, and the title is Baby Yoda is going to have a name in season two. And it goes on to say, a friend of mine has a relative who's a Hollywood stuntman. And he worked on both season one and season two of The Mandalorian. Before season one came out, he described the new way that Disney has been filming the show, specifically the large screens used as backgrounds. And he described them long before it was ever reported or leaked here. Yesterday, he told my friend that Baby Yoda will be getting a real name during this season. How he gets this name, I don't know. He said the child's name will be Grogu. Now, of course, take it with a grain of salt, but I'm led to believe him as he accurately described the filming methods Disney used long before they ever reported upon here or elsewhere. He's got two edits after this because people were giving him so much shit about this post <laughs> and calling him out on bullshit and blah, 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 blah. And this user was proven to be correct. This user was not the only user that had actually predicted the name or knew the name because last week someone else dropped the name in a video that showed up on YouTube with even more information. They had specific details about the episode and this one, I'm going to read this from Inverse.com. A video from the channel Heavy Spoilers 
published on November 23rd, recapped the entire episode based on leaks, pretty much summarizing the story beat for beat with one notable exception. The key difference comes at the very end of the episode. On The Mandalorian, Ahsoka Tano tells Mando that she can't train Grogu because he's at risk of falling to the dark side. She invokes Anakin, uh, invokes Anakin Skywalker without mentioning him by name and says it'd be safer to simply let baby Yoda's powers fade away. However, that's not how it was supposed to go, according to heavy spoilers. The video, which again, nailed almost everything, including the specific details of Mando and Ahsoka's first encounter, states that Ahsoka declines to train Grogu because she, quote, reveals she has to go after Thrawn. This happens about six minutes and 30 seconds into the video. Grand Admiral Thrawn already gets a brief mention in the Mandalorian season two, episode five, after Ahsoka defeats the evil magistrate in a duel and demands to know Thrawn's location. Apparently the magistrate was working for Thrawn, an infamous Imperial leader, best known from several star Wars books, comics, and the animated series rebels. The last time we saw Ahsoka was in the Rebels finale where she set off to find another Jedi named Ezra Bridger who had disappeared into hyperspace with Thrawn. God, that fucking, that, that episode, it's just like, what a cliffhanger they left us on with that one. Anyway, this goes on to say, because Rebels ends with an epilogue set, uh, an unknown number of years after the rest of the show, it's unclear if that happened before or after the Mandalorian but the fact that Ahsoka is still looking for Thrawn suggests that she hasn't found him or Ezra yet. More importantly, if heavy spoilers is right here and the Mandalorian script originally included Ahsoka confirming that she was too busy tracking down Thrawn to take care of Grogu, that could be the setup for another Mandalorian spinoff focused on Ahsoka and maybe her old friend Bo-Katan too. The apparent decision to remove that line of dialogue could be an attempt to keep Lucasfilm's spinoff plans a secret until they're ready to be confirmed. Or it might be meant to downplay the importance of Grand Admiral Thrawn if he isn't going to be a major character on the show. I don't think Grand Admiral Thrawn's going to be a major character on The Mandalorian. I think Grand Admiral Thrawn is going to be a major character on a Ahsoka Tano spinoff show. This episode planted the seeds for people that didn't watch Rebels that are not familiar with Grand Admiral Thrawn that want to see more of Ahsoka Tano going forward in the future on her own spinoff show and learn more about Thrawn. I firmly believe that this is is planting the seeds, the backdoor pilot to an Ahsoka Tano fucking live action show and that that is all going to be fully explored in future seasons of that show and Grand Admiral Thrawn is not going to be explored further in the Mandalorian. And I base that off of quotes from Giancarlo Esposito that I'm going to talk about here in a moment. But what do you guys think? That that makes perfect sense. I, I, Thrawn is really a, a villain to Ahsoka and I don't really see how Mando fits in that picture in the first place. And just kind of the way this show has worked is, is a lot of just kind of one and done stories. And that it definitely feels like this is like the backdoor pilot to Ahsoka and Thrawn somewhere else. I, I agree with that prediction 100%. Neil. Yeah, same here. Same here. I mean, Rosario Dawson is super into playing the character. 
I think she lobbied for it for years. Before fans did. Fans did as well. I know a lot of fans yeah. wanted, uh, what's her name? Ashley, is it Ashley Eckstein who voiced the yes. character? I know a lot of fans wanted her to do it, but I mean. She doesn't have the physical stature to pull it off, I don't think. The voice, yes, it would have been nice and comforting to hear the voice again, but she's a teeny tiny little girl. Are they going to get Mads Mikkelsen's brother? I can't remember his name. Are they going to get him to play the live action version of Thrawn? That would be dope. One thing that Jess and I were talking about who might be good would be Hugo Weaving. Oh, dude, working with that guy, though, I mean... Yeah, he's not going to let anyone paint his face blue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously. Well, at this point, can't they just do it in CGI? <laughs> yeah, but look at all the practical effects that they've been using on The Mandalorian yeah. and just to work with Hugo Weaving. I love Hugo Weaving. I love Hugo Weaving, and I, I did love him as the Red Skull, but, like, man, he does not have... Fuck, at that point, if let's just get fucking Ross Marquand, Marquand to do fucking yeah. – he, he was the Red Skull in uh, Infinity War. You know, he's the actor from The Walking Dead. Let's just get him to fucking do Thrawn. That guy is – Another actor, if, if they decided to go younger, that I could see them going with would be like Killian uh, Murphy. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, dude. That's fantastic casting. That's fantastic casting, Neil. I love that. Yeah, because he's got that kind of air of menace to him while yeah. also being, like, really put together if he wants to be. Yeah. But he can get fucking nuts. I think it's. Be I think that's way better than it's like, you know, Marvel was like, oh, let's who's hot right now that we can get a, a, as a villain in the Inhumans? Oh, let's get that fucking, that, that rapey bastard from Game of Thrones guy. What was, yeah, <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about, Jake? Who is that rapey? Yuan Rian. Yeah, yeah, that motherfucker. Yeah, from Misfits. Yeah, I haven't watched Misfits. I hear nothing but good things you about Misfits. Fucking watch it. You gotta fucking watch it. It's amazing. Well, it's got that fucking guy from the Umbrella Academy in it. Yeah, fucking. Yeah. It's uh, also got um, Ruth Nega and oh, uh, the guy, the guy who played the vampire on Preacher as well. Oh shit! I love. Oh, I love both of them. Joseph Gilgan. Yeah. Nice. I'll have to watch that fucking Misfits show. Such a good show. It's only like six episodes a season. I mean, it's, it's yeah. British. How many, how many seasons? Short. There's five seasons. Um, the guy from Umbrella Academy is in the first two. The guy from Game of Thrones is in four of them, I want to say. Killian yeah, Murphy. Gilgan's in like three of them. Killian Murphy. What if it, he didn't, did he, he didn't show up in Tenet, did he? Date, uh, I almost called you Dave. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> he didn't show up in um, Jake. He didn't show up in uh, Tenant, did he? Killing not Murphy. to my knowledge. I mean, I didn't notice him. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't notice. Can I ask either. a random question about the Mandalorian? No, no. Go, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> did we know before this episode that Beskar could stop a lightsaber? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're totally. Yeah. That we, we, that, that is that. Yeah. That's the, the whole reason that the Mandalorians as a, as a, the, their whole purpose as a culture was to like be the ones that could kill Jedi. Like that's their whole thing is like they, they are trained. They tried to do whatever they can to, to kill the Jedi and Beskar can stop. Beskar can stop not only like laser blasts that we've seen from the stormtroopers, but it can go up against a, a lightsaber and, um, the the passing of that um i firmly believe that the passing of that um uh, that beskar um spear spear 
that was given to the Mandalorian at the episode, at the end of the episode, we're going to see when we, when we get the final battle between Moff Gideon and the Mandalorian, I think he's going to be using that spear to go up against the dark saber. No. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's been established that Beskar can stop. A, and that was in probably Filoni cartoons. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Filoni stuff. I mean, I knew it without even watching the Filoni stuff, but that may be because of, you know, all the other Star Wars stuff I've consumed over the years. Man. Oh, fuck. I wonder. Oh, man. I, I want to get, can we get, can we get another episode with the armor, the armor in, in Oh, she's so good. But oh, I wanna, yeah, I miss that character. I, I, they always show her in the previously on. And I'm yeah. Like, I miss you. And I want to see. Emily but, Swallow. Yeah. But I want to see, like, we, we already saw, like, a one shoulder pad. He's got the fucking, the mud horn that he defeated and I know it, I don't know if they can do two but man if the other shoulder pad the other Beskar shoulder pad uh, if they could fucking put the crate dragon on there as well oh hell yeah right that'd be awesome oh man cause he fucking took down a crate dragon man that's fucking dope man <laughs> anyway yeah for sure I don't know if they can put two cause like that that's would look badass too yeah yeah it would look badass um, anyway, Even creatively, they just eventually decided that that original Ahsoka reason just kind of fell a little flat, right? I, I think that's having her say she doesn't have time because she's doing this other thing. I mean, that would kind of fall a little flat, at least to me. I, I think it was definitely a good change. It uh, works both ways. It sounds better and it saves that stuff for a future series. I kept thinking that, like, it wasn't necessarily mentioned in this one, but she's... She's basically saying, like, I can't train him to be a Jedi because I'm not, and I don't know how correct or wrong I am here in saying this, that she's not practicing in the Jedi ways anymore. Right, because she's basically a great Jedi. There is no great Jedi. There is no great Jedi. Let's get that. The the equivalent of that. Yeah, let's get that out there, though, because, like, it's one of those things where, like, I was one of those people that was, like, I was firmly in the belief that there was the possibility for great Jedi. And since there have been, um, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. has come out and said, like, you know, I know these guys. We've talked. I've talked. I've fucking talked to Lucas about it. Dude, he had a whole rant that I played on the episode. No, he went crazy. He yeah. went nuts. <laughs> and he went nuts on fans. And he's like, guys, listen, there is no fucking gray Jedi. And I firmly, <laughs> I firmly believe him. I just don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know where she is right now. Is she, is she a fully fledged practicing Jedi? I don't know. You know, but they never brought that in to this episode. So I don't, I don't know. She might still be a Jedi. She just might not want to train any Jedi at this point. You know, she's, I think that's more the case. Yeah. She's been burned so hard by her former master. Right. Like, yeah. she wasn't burned as bad as her former master was. Though. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Anakin, well done, Skywalker is what they call them. Oh, uh, damn. <laughs> I talked about Moff Gideon earlier, and Giancarlo Esposito talked with Entertainment Weekly about his character's future going forward into season three and possibly season four. He said, I have a feeling you'll see more of me next season. More than likely, you're going to see a lot of Moff Gideon. I can't be sure of that, but it seems as though this iconic journey that they want you to feel it, they, they want you to feel it. I think you're going to start to see other storylines start to creep in. When we start to realize there's such a deep connection between 
the show storylines and the rest of the galaxy and what's really happening, maybe you'll get an inkling of what he wants. I think we're all trying to figure out what does he really want. Somewhere in my brain, I hold out something, and he has some kind of ethical consideration here. Listen to this. This blew my mind reading this. When people flow out of control, and there are all these different moths who've been assigned different areas to be wardens of, isn't there one person or someone that may have guidance over all of them? There's questions that are answered. It could be super soldiers. It could be that he wants to save the galaxy. Like, I don't know. That made me think a lot. Like we saw like what looked like are going to be dark troopers, you know? Yeah. The previous episode. Yeah. Go ahead, Jake. Oh, I was going to say that. That's interesting about like, that's just kind of a villain thing though. Right. I mean, the best villains think at the end of the day that they're 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 helping. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's like, uh, you know, fucking Magneto or Thanos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Doctor Doom is very painted that much that way. A lot yeah. of comic books. It could very much be that mentality. Like it's yeah. not. He's not actually doing anyone any favors, but him and his kind. But this really but goes. It, I think you're right. But I think this really actually goes back to the fact that, like, I think like the overall villain that we are looking at right now in this series is, is Moff Gideon, and they're not going to go on to this fucking Grand Admiral Thrawn track. I think that's, I think we're got, we just got introduced to a backdoor pilot for an Ahsoka Tano series. I'm very surprised to hear that the Moff Gideon stuff will go on that much further. I, he I has said in previous, in previous, uh, interviews, even before this Entertainment Weekly one, that he thinks that it's not only going to go into season three, but possibly future seasons, that, that he'll be around for maybe even season four. Uh, yeah, that's surprising to me. I really thought that that would kind of come to a crescendo in this season. But, I mean, it, the way it's been, like, we haven't even touched on that character yet. It makes a lot of sense. He's been – yeah, he's he's basically is – he's kind of saying, like, I've been kind of in the background. They've put me, like, yeah, I, I've showed up here and there. I've been in the background. You've heard me. I've shown up a little bit. But, you know, you're really not going to get me until season three. Yeah, that's cool, though. It's a character and – like the dark saber deserves that kind of honor. Like I want it to be more than just a one-off episode. But here's the thing: it's like the whole dark saber stuff. Does Bo-Katan come back because she feels like that's hers? I feel like Bo-Katan will come back. Yeah, I, I think she'll be in more episodes at least this season, maybe one or two, and then next season if if they're continuing with with Giancarlo as the big bad then she'll feature more prominently in season three so if she does show up in a future series with ahsoka tano she's going to have the dark saber in her possession possibly depends on when yeah, i think there's a good chance of it i wouldn't be surprised if somehow the dark saber is completely eradicated by the end of this plot line hmm. you know it's just it's a thing that's hard to deal with story-wise if it's always around you know like powerful objects like that, you eventually yeah. you just have to get rid of. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know, man. I fucking I did love this episode. I mean, I thought that the the fight between um, Ahsoka Tano and, for as brief as it was, the fight between her and the Mandalorian was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Shout out to the music in this episode too. I thought it was um, 
the best blending of the new music the Mandalorian has established with classic Star Wars music. Yeah, they uh, there was in, a lot of musical moments that gave me chills this episode. We heard like Yoda's theme in this one too. Yeah, uh, I was man. The music gave me goosebumps <laughs> this episode. Grogu. It sounds so much like a Dragon Ball Z character. I, I mean, <laughs> all Star Wars names sound goofy upon the first time you hear them. So I'm sure I'll grow into it. But my initial reaction right after You'll seeing it is that's... grow into it? Yeah, I'll grow goo into it. Oh, <laughs> <fuck> <laughs> me. Neil, Neil. Sorry, yeah. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> no, man. You fucking, you sullied that. You landed the fuck out of it, brother. I love it's it. It's that kind of thing that makes me not like the name still. Yeah, I like <laughs> it's grow going on me. I love it. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Well, I I love the fact that they use that little fucking that little that little that little ball on the ship on that. Oh, I knew he was gonna reach for that ball that when so he wouldn't awesome. pull that rock. Though I did see that coming a mile away. Oh, I loved it though. I, it, oh, I liked it too. I yeah. liked it too. But I'm like, oh, he's gonna pull that ball out. <laughs> and then he pulled out his nut sack and you're like, whoa, 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 hey, shouldn't this be on Disney 18 plus? Jesus, Jesus Christ. <laughs> when did they introduce Kevin Spacey into the Star Wars universe? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Whoa. Kevin Spacey's going to be really disappointed when he finds out Grogu was 50 though. Yeah. Chris, <laughs> fucking sp- <laughs> space Chris Hansen sits him down. <laughs> Yeah, he's, oh, he's 50? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, he, Leonardo DiCaprio's like, I'm not going to do anything with that either, so. <laughs> Can we cut him in half? <laughs> oh, man, Paul Walker's going to come back from the dead and be like, I'm into it. Oh, man, Jake, you had to go there. God damn it. <laughs> Oh man, Jake. That's yeah. Hey, uh, that's all I got. Do you guys have any final thoughts on the Mandalorian, Star Wars, and all that stuff? No, it was awesome. Can't wait for next week. I love that they don't show us a coming next week kind of thing. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, it was great. Um, definitely looking forward to continuing on. I mean, oh, fuck. Between this and Discovery, uh, you know, I've been my weekly sci-fi stuff has been great. How is Discovery? I, I you know, I watched the first season and I, I, I you know, I, I love Anson Mount, but I just never jumped onto the second season. How's Discovery doing now? Uh, the second season I, I liked more than the first season. And then this season has been more consistently good, I would say, overall. Uh, the last couple episodes have been a little lower in my estimation than the first few. But it feels like it's ramping up into something a little more epic, and overall, it's been it's been really, I think, what they were trying to get to from the very beginning, uh, where they can do all this cool CGI stuff without it looking weird in the time period where it was set previously. Now that they're nine hundred and thirty years into the future, it's it's there's some really cool ideas that they're exploring. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's been a fun ride so far. I really hope that they move on from some of the character stuff that they've been doing, but it's been it's been really good so far. Are they? Are, are you and uh, Steven covering this on Smorgasbord? Oh yes, we are every week. There you go, everybody. There you go. Check out <laughs> Smorgasbord. Subscribe. Yeah, 
Yeah, subscriptions, reviews, uh, ratings, they all help. Guys, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to jump into as much good pop, bad pop as we can. We'll be right back. Awesome. Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. Right, hey, we're back. We are going to be diving. We are, Jake. We're literally diving in the good pop. Oh, dude, I, I'm fucking call me Greg Luganis, motherfucker. Fuck it. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, Jake, don't hit your head on that fucking diving board. Oh shit. Yeah, that, that motherfucker dude. When he he fucking he hit his he fucking hit his head on that goddamn diving board. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Hey, hey fuck. Uh, yeah, it's good pop, bad pop. For more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Real quick, I watched two movies. These are movies that I did not tell you guys to watch because you didn't have them available to you. But I did watch The Donut King. <laughs> I, I, Whoa. Yeah. Was it I, porn? Yeah. It's got a. <laughs> It's a guy that fucks donuts. Um, <laughs> he likes the ones with cream in them. Oh, man. Well, those don't have holes in them, but he's got to make them. Somebody's got to make those holes. <laughs> Somebody's got to fuck it. He's going to fill it with his own jelly. Um, <laughs> no, Donut King, it's uh, it's out on video on demand, but I was like, and I've been wanting to watch this one for the past couple of weeks. It's a documentary. Um but you can watch it if you don't have video if you don't want to pay the money to see it on video on demand. And if you have a Hoopla subscription, you can watch it for free on Hoopla. And uh, Hoopla is like one of those subscription services like Canopy, where you know it's like uh, your local library might be a participant in in the program. So go to Hoopla.com and see if your fucking library Hoopla man. A lot of new movies on Hoopla. It's fantastic, fantastic service. H O O P L A. That's how you spell hoopla. Anyway, it's about a it's a documentary. Cambodian refugee Ted Noy builds a multi-million dollar empire by baking America's favorite pastry, the donut. This documentary tells his story of fate, love, survival, hard knocks, and redemption. Instructed by Alice Gu. And it's basically – it's a story about um, uh, uh, Cambodian refugees. Can, uh, men and women from um, Cambodia – uh, their, their country was at war and they were forced out of Cambodia. And, um, I think like over 50,000 refugees 
came to the U.S. and uh, President Gerald Ford at the time was like, you know what, we were this country was built on immigrants, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna find a way to make a home for them here. And so that um, was like the uh, the Khmer Rouge expulsion of all the Cambodians, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, when this gentleman came to our country, Ted Noy, he couldn't speak any English and and didn't know what he was going to do to take care of his family. They started this program where Cambodian refugees, their them and their families could like live with a with a you know a family in the U.S. and and um, that would kind of like take them in and and take care of them and show them the ropes, maybe find them a job. He started off as a job as a janitor at a church. And then from there, he got a job at Winchell's Donuts. And he's living in California, learns how to make the donuts, and then he takes whatever money he's earned and he buys his own donut shop, and it's super successful. He turns it into a super successful business, ends up buying more donut shops. And when it gets so big that he cannot take control like take care of all these donut shops he starts all the cambodian refugees that have come in he starts to train them and basically lets them kind of like rent out these donut shops and he collects like a big chunk of the money and then they're able to make a living and it's and um he really gave these people a way to kind of like survive and make it here in the united states and he lives the American dream. Like this guy is a multi-million, multi-millionaire. Builds up this huge empire of donut shops in California. So much so that Dunkin' Donuts, when they want to come in to the California market, they can't sustain themselves. They can't fucking do it because like all these donut shops that are run by Cambodians are just like outperforming them. They're able to sustain their business much cheaper. And, um, it's, it's a family business. And, and it's and it's an incredible fucking story, but it's also a story of tragedy. This guy takes a trip, a family trip to Las Vegas, gets addicted to gambling and gambles everything away. I Tupperware this fucking documentary. I thought it was fascinating, super fascinating. He's still alive today. I mean, it's a story. I mean, it goes into a story of love and family, love lost. I, I was blown away by this fucking documentary. When it's available, like, I'm sure it'll be available on a streaming service within the next few months. It's called The Donut King. Tupperware this one. I highly recommend it. It was really, dude, I felt like I was getting a history lesson and, uh, and getting connected to the people that were in this documentary, man. It was really fucking God. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Well, what was the name of his donut shop? Is it something we've heard of? Uh, his was called, what was, oh God, Christie's? Like, all of them had different names, so I think it was Christie's. Like, he changed his name to Ted, and I think his wife changed his, her name to Christie's. And his donut shop was called Christie's. But then, okay. there was also like other Cambodian donut shops that they kind of featured in this one. One of, I think was, was it DK's or KD's donuts? I can't remember. But they were, there's still quite a few Cambodian owned donut shops out here. Yeah. 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 yeah they're, you know, they're always the best ones. <laughs> that's what they say. Like they were one of the first donut shops to do like the, the cronut, which is like the croissant donut, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, I, real quick, I watched Embattled. This is on video on demand. Um, it's a, a son aspires to follow in his famous MMA father's footsteps. But along his journey, must figure out how to break the abusive cycle, if possible, that his father has continued. It's written by Dave McKenna. He's the writer of American History X. And this one stars uh, 
Steven Dorf is the big name in this one. Also, uh, Saeed Tagmu. Uh, he was in, uh, he played Samir in Wonder Woman. He's in this one. And, um, yeah, Elizabeth Reeser's in this one. Donald Faison from Scrubs. And he was also, what is he in? He was in that fucking, what was that movie? Clueless. Clueless, yeah. He was in Clueless and he was in that other fucking movie and he was, he played one of the band members in, uh, Can't Hardly Wait. That band that never got to play their song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Breck and Meyer. Breck and Meyer. Breck and Meyer. I was, I was at the, I was at the, uh, panel at C2E2 for, uh, um, man, what is it? Mansion? What's that show called? It's a, yeah, I'm not going to get into this because I can't think of it. Nothing's coming to me. As a, you, don't drink when you're podcasting people. This is a, it's a bad idea. <laughs> it's a bad idea. I, I, I don't know how, I don't know why people listen to this one. Maybe they listen to it because I do drink, except for that one motherfucker, except for that one motherfucker that called me, <laughs> called me, Jake, I read an iTunes review last week. There's a listener that, that basically says that I'm just an angry drunk that's belligerent and I scream. <laughs> Wow. Well, how many stars? It was a five-star review. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I mean, it's not inaccurate. It's not, it was a five-star review originally, and then he said, like, nothing's changed. I'm just listening to a belligerent drunk, and the show has lost its charm. And so he dropped this down to a two-star. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a one trick. You're like Bradley Cooper from A Star Is Born at this point. Yeah, no shit. I fucking I had the goods to fucking make Lady Gaga fall in love with me, and after a while, she's just like, "Fuck, will this guy fucking hang himself in his garage already?" Jesus. <laughs> oh shit. Oh man. Anyway, anyway, embattled with, uh, Steven Dorf. Yeah, this movie, it's basically, you got, you've got a father here who's a big MMA star, but he started off with, uh, in his early days with this woman and, and had a child with her. Very abusive, very abusive to, to his wife, very abusive to his child, but, you know, leaves her, ends up going on to be one of the biggest MMA fighters, uh, out there, multimillionaire. And uh, kind of like it's not the UFC; they call it something else. But he's a big fighter, a big name, and uh, and starts to form a relationship now with his estranged son, and starting to build a relationship. And his son is actually starting to see sides of him that are coming back to him. Like a lot of memories from when you're a kid, if they're traumatic, you suppress them. Now the kid is starting to realize like why he's not been a part of his father's life. The kid also has a passion for MMA. And this movie leads up to like, are we going to get a match between an 18 year old kid and his fucking father <laughs> in, in the ring, in the MMA ring? This movie's a lot better than it deserves to be. It really is. I don't think it's a hundred percent focus and I think it goes a little all over the place at times, but I mean, I, I did enjoy it. I will give it a high taste it. I don't think it's perfect. I will give it a high taste it because I love sports movies and I kind of like, I really did enjoy kind of like the, the, it's border, honestly, it's bordering on a taste it, high taste it. It's, it's like right in between there if that is a rating. I know that sounds fucking like a cop out, like bullshit, but it's, it's not a Tupperware, but man, I did enjoy it and uh, it's something that I would watch again, but if I'm like, it's better than your average fucking MMA movie. And I, I, I watched another MMA movie a few weeks ago that I didn't even bring up on the podcast called Cage Fighter. 
and you've got like um uh chuck liddell playing the trainer in that one and gina gershon plays like she's like the dana white character who's like in control of the ufc and all this stuff and like it's it's that movie is like a low taste it slash taste it at the most this is better than that and it's an it's an ifc film so it's one of those ifc films but it's called uh embattled and i did enjoy it like when this one drops on like amazon or netflix give this one a shot um it's it's from the writer of american history x but it's like american history x like that's a fucking movie man jesus christ wow yeah Bite the curb. Yeah. Oh God. Oh my God. Oh, that's the scene. That's the scene, Ugh. man. That's the scene. I, honestly, like one of my favorite scenes in American History X is when he is just spending time in the laundry room with the black prisoner, and yeah. the black prisoner is like so funny that he gets him to like take down his walls and. You know, he takes down his guard and he just starts laughing and they start laughing together. And I'm just like, God damn it. Why can't, why, you know, why can't people just, why can't we just have these connections? Like we're all, we're not all that different. We can, you know what I mean? We're all people. We're all people. We can all find some way to connect. And it's a, that's a beautiful movie, man. It's, it's fucked up, but it's a beautiful movie in in a lot of ways. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has a lot to say. Um, Saved by the Bell. This is, uh, it's, it's the, uh, revival show by the same name on Peacock. It's a follow-up series to the 1990 sitcom. The series will center around a new group of Bayside High students from overprivileged and working class families, among the latter of which were transferred to the school as part of a plan by now California Governor Zach Morris, whose administration experiences controversy for closing too many low-income high schools to send lower-income students to the highest performing schools in the state. So basically you've got these, um, uh, low income students that come from like these really shitty fucking schools that the state is not doing anything to fund or, you know, help or, or, or care about education at all. They shut down these schools. And so he basically gives like this executive order that like these students are now going to go to like the top tier schools in the state and go to these uh high performing schools and so now we've got like you know these kids going to bayside and uh i i mean i don't know i don't expect that you guys watched a lot of this i watched the first two episodes neil i watched the first one i watched the whole fucking thing I'm a huge save. I'm a huge Save by the Bell fan, like huge. Like I'm a huge Save by the Bell fan. Um, this is like this was like one of my shows growing up when I was a teenager that I would like. Like it was like when, when I started getting out of like watching like a lot of cartoons, I I kind of like made that switch over to like you know nine oh two and oh Save by the Bell, Melrose Place, you know fucking you know Hang Time, Running the Halls. I'm trying to think. Uh, California Dreams. I started watching these shows about teenagers because I was a teenager now, you know. And I started watching these shows. So I, I fucking watched this, and I watched this. Like a lot of it was nostalgia. Um, I want to know what you guys thought. It, I, I don't know. I don't know what. I mean, and I don't know what your experiences with Saved by the Bell, but like this show was like, this was like a huge fucking cornerstone of my fucking teens. Saved by the Bell was like I watched it, you know, the original show, 
you know, the Miss Bliss shit through the, through the regular shit. And then the college years, I watched the college years. I even, after the college years, I even watched like the, when, when they brought it back on the Saturday morning and they had like the, the new class, Saved by the Bell, the new class. I was, I watched all that shit too. But, um, new characters here, new riders. They got Dashiell Driscoll, who is like the, um, he was the guy who did like the Zach Morris's trash shit on the internet. That exposed Zach Morris for like being a sociopath and like, uh, and those videos were great. And Dashiell Driscoll really does understand Saved by the Bell. He also does the podcast Zach to the Future with Mark Paul Gossler, which I started listening to and I listened to like the first five or six episodes and I liked it enough because of Mark Paul Gossler and I really wanted to hear about his like, experiences of like being on the show and like all like the behind the scenes shit. But at the end of the day, I had to stop listening to that podcast because Dashiell Driscoll's cadence and the way he talks and he's so kind of smug and pompous (laughs) and he might not be like this in real life, but it's just the way he comes off to me and I'm not going to be like one of our iTunes reviewers and tell him about it on iTunes and, and say any of this. I'm just saying it on the show because I can I can I can review stuff and the last thing Dashiell Driscoll is going to listen to is an episode of PCL. But I just had to drop off because of Dashiell Driscoll, the way he talks, his cadence and just how he comes off on that show. Uh, if it wasn't for him, I would listen to that fucking podcast because <laughs> I love Saved by the Bell, but I I found myself listening to his voice and getting angry and wanting to like punch things. And I understood why that stormtrooper punched Baby Yoda in that episode from last season. <laughs> and that kind of scared me. But, um, dude, like, this had so many callbacks to, like, Saved by the Bell and, like, where characters are now. And, like, you know, fucking A.C. Slater and Jesse Spano didn't stay together. And maybe she's not in the greatest fucking marriage right now. And... Maybe her and AC might hook up later. We did get like a, uh, yeah, a little bit of spoilers for this one. Like we find out what happened to Screech. They talked about Screech and Screech is on the International Space Station with Kevin. And for those of you that heard that and don't know who the fuck Kevin is, Kevin's the goddamn robot that Screech had in Saved by the Bell that only showed up in a few episodes. But my God, I found out that fucking Screech is on the International Space Station with Kevin and I was just like, awesome. We got a fucking Tori mention. We got a fucking Lisa Turtle cameo. I had a lot of fun with this. I don't think it's perfect, but I do think it's like, it's not, they're not making fun of the show so much as like the very Brady movies that came out, like the Brady Bunch movies that came out that they're not going that far into it, but they are doing a little bit of that without going too overboard. So for me, I, I fucking, <laughs> I love this show. And that's just me. Cause I'm a huge saved by the bell fan, but yeah. What did you think, Neil? Yeah, I was not a huge saved by the bell fan. Um, you know, I caught episodes here and there over the years, but I, I, I just found, you know, all the characters pretty unlikable. And this version of it, I thought was better. Um, it touched on some more culturally relevant topics and it did it in a fun way. And I, I mean, 
I enjoyed the first, that one episode I watched. I, I thought it was it was super fun. Um, I didn't think it was as grating as I found the original to be. Uh, I'll give it a taste it for sure. If you if you enjoy Saved by the Bell, I think you're going to love this show as you do, Brian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, being someone who didn't really like it to begin with, this was a step up to me. Dude, I was blown away at the present uh, at this show and how they handled a certain character. Spoilers again. Josie Tota plays Lexi in this show. Oh yeah, yeah, that was great. And they didn't even touch upon this actor being a transgender student in the school until the fourth episode. They were like, you know what? They mentioned it briefly in the first episode. Really? I didn't even, I didn't even hear that. Yeah, it was, it was just so off the cuff, like it, cause it wasn't a big deal to these, these characters. And that I thought was the perfect way to address it was where it was just, Hey, this is just this person and we're just going to move on. And I thought that was great. I, yeah, and I love the episode where they actually touched upon it in the fourth episode. I, I didn't know that, they, that they, they even referenced it in the first episode. I didn't even catch that. But, and it was like, cause there's so many fucking like, so many shows and so many comic books when they have a gay character, like that's like, like, okay, we're gonna have a gay Green Lantern now, or we're gonna have, you know, like gay this. And like, they, they, they do it in such, like, they don't do it in a delicate way. No. They're just like we're selling. We're trying to sell this issue. Yeah. We're trying to get this issue headlines on USA Today that now you're going to get your first fucking gay superhero in the first gay Green Lantern, or you're going to get your first gay this or first gay that or whatever. And they do it and just they do it away just to sell issues or just to, to yeah, get people it gets talking. Fisted. Yes, and like, that becomes the very focus of the thing when it's not supposed to be. Yeah, it's just these people are existing in the real world and they are actual humans who are just moving through life just like the rest of us. Right. And when a show can be delicate, as you said, about the, the topic and, and not like force feed it, but just let it exist in the world. It's I think it's a lot better that way than trying to highlight it. Like there are so many people in this world who don't fit in and when they get represented on, on screen it's super important to not have it seem like this big deal, right? Yeah. No, I no, especially not a big deal to where they're just trying to make headlines to where right. it's like the media just gets a hold of it and says Oh, we've got a gay Green Lantern now. Yeah. Instead, like this show handles it in such a way to where like I didn't even know that the actor that we were watching this entire time was a transgender playing this cheerleader. I was totally taken aback like when that storyline came up in the show. And I was just like, man, they handled that so well. And I fucking I love the actor that plays Lexi. Um, Mm -hmm. and such a, so awesome. So awesome. I, I, oh man, I don't know. I really, I, I knocked this series out within, I had to make myself stop watching it to watch other things. I watched, (laughs) I watched eight episodes back to back and I was like, I want this to be fresh on your mind going into the next episode. I'm going to save the last two episodes for, for the next day, you know, cause like, 
I didn't want to just burn through this because I, I was really enjoying reconnecting with some of these characters and learning about these new characters and just like seeing like how, you know, how they were interacting with the other students in the school. God, I fucking, I, I Tupperware the fuck out of this. I love this. I had so much fun with it, but what'd you think, Jake? Um, yeah, I was a fan of the original. I watched it on Saturday mornings when it first came out. I wasn't there for any of the Miss Bliss stuff. I missed that. But as soon as it became like a Saturday morning NBC show, I was there every week. I, I, I picked it over the other two animated shows going on the other networks. Um, I don't think I ever watched the college years. Oh God. Um, I watched, Oh my, I was there for day one for the college years. And when they fuck, yeah, when, when that shit when got that canceled, aired. when that got canceled and they fucking had the Saturday, they did the, the wedding. And I think that was like a Saturday morning. They brought it back to Saturday morning. I could be wrong. I'm talking, you guys were talking about like, this is 25 fucking years ago, people. Oh yeah. It's but been man, a long time. I was there watching that shit, but yeah, go ahead, Jake. I'm sorry. But I did, I did not like this reboot one bit. This was a toss it for me. Um, I watched the first two episodes. I thought maybe the pilot was the pilot and I should give another episode a chance, but it just didn't do anything for me. I didn't like how they treated all the original characters. I, the direction they went with those characters was kind of bleh to me. Um, I hated Zach Morris and what he's become in this future. <laughs> That's so, it's, it's so Zach Morris though. It I is know, so Zach Morris. I just didn't like the tone of it. I, I, I get what they were trying to do. And I, I agree that it was like self-aware of it being cheesy with the music cues and the sets and everything, but I almost wish it would have went further with that kind of thing. And maybe I would have enjoyed it more. I, I don't know. I, none of the new characters did much for me. I, this was a hard watch for me. Like 22 minute episodes felt like an hour and I, mm. I was done after two episodes. I'm on the opposite end of that fucking shit. I loved it. I fucking, I, <laughs> I love, I love his son, Mac Morris. I think Mac Morris is hilarious. The final episode, they're like, Oh, they're talking about like, Oh, we can, uh, now we can just, uh, now that we've got this all fixed, we can all just go back to being regular teenagers. And he gets a ding on his phone. He's like, Oh, what's this coronavirus all about? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. The, oh, shit. The biggest laugh for me in the two episodes was the reveal of Zach Morris's kid being named Mac Morris. <laughs> so. Man, there's, there's great episode. They brought back, uh, they brought back Mr. fucking Dewey, one of the original teachers from, from the, the, you know, the, the, the Saved by the Bell show. Uh, Ed Alonzo shows up as, uh, Max, the owner of the Max in a couple episodes. And I love that. Oh, I did, I did see that. I was shocked to see him. He, he looks good for 25 years later. Yeah, he does. Oh my God. I always wanted to go to, they had Chicago. They had the Saved by the Bell pop up Max restaurant. Oh, always, that looks so cool. Yeah. I always wanted to go up there and do that. But I, I saw the that. menus for that online and they were super neat. I love those pop up restaurants. I, they, uh, Kevin Smith is doing the movies one now from the, oh, that's, that's coming to Chicago too. I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what they're tearing down? The, 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 the old stash is getting torn down. They're, they're, they're relocating. No, I did not know that. Yeah, there's videos online of like the new spot that they're going to be in. They're, they're they're just moving. They're getting a bigger space now. But yeah, they're tearing down the old one. I hope they've got like a fucking drawing that Jim Lee did on a on a door. They better fucking take that down and bring it with them. It's a fucking awesome drawing that Jim Lee did on a door. It's like a fire escape door. And it's like, I think it's Batman, Superman. I can't remember the other character that's on. Maybe Wonder Woman. Yeah, but man, it's a fucking beautiful Jim Lee drawing. They better bring all that shit over. 
to the new stash. I love this new save of the bell. I, I, I want yeah, you more. know, as much as it wasn't for me, I don't fault people that like it. And I do think at this point it's Peacock's biggest draw by far. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think if anything Peacock's done that's going to get them new subscribers, it's this. Is this going to be, is this, are they going to take the new approach of the Punky Brewster revival show? Are they going to take the same kind of approach with Punky Brewster going forward? I don't know if it's still going to have like the same feel of how an 80s sitcom felt. Is that what you're asking? I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, are they going to take it in more of kind of like a satirical way? I don't, I bet they don't. So are we going to meet like, that's the big thing. Here's the thing. Punky Brewster. If you never watched that show, I, I watched it growing up and then I actually did a rewatch of it last year. I watched the whole fucking thing all four or five seasons, wherever the fuck it was. But Punky Brewster is this little girl who her mom abandons her at a grocery store. How shitty. And then she, her and her dog Brandon find this old man and he fucking takes her in and he adopts her and she lives with this old man. And then, and, and yeah, and that's how it goes. There is never any resolution as to like her mother. So I thought, like, if they're going to do this revival show, it's like, are they going to follow up? And is she going to find her real mother? The actor that played her adopted father, Henry, in Punky Brewster, that actor has passed on. So they'll definitely address his death in the new series. He played Commandant Lassard in the... Police, police Academy, Academy yeah, movies. Police Academy movies. Great actor, I loved him. He's really good in Punky Brewster too. They had great chemistry together. I was hoping in the new Punky Brewster that it was about a mother who, like, the only example of a parent that she's had is her mother that fucking abandoned her at a in a in a fucking grocery store. I was hoping the new one is like her daughter gets to the age where like Punky's just like. Well, it's my turn to abandon my daughter at a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you always take on your parents' worst traits. Huh? Yeah, so you you've hit that age where you're abandoned at a grocery store, and this is how this is it. so. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> fucked up. But man, oh, man. yeah, Did, wasn't there a cartoon where she like <laughs> hung out with like aliens and shit? She had like a yeah, she had like a little alien creature. Like they did the whole thing. Remember when uh, it was Gary Coleman did uh, Gary Coleman did different strokes, and then Gary Coleman did a uh, cartoon where he was a fucking little Gary Coleman angel baby. He had wings. Oh, that was so bizarre. Yeah, it was a weird. <laughs> It was so weird. And, uh, and then, but yeah, there's a Punky Brewster cartoon and she hung out. Brandon the dog was there, but then there was like this little alien thing that she hung out yeah. with. This little, I remember it made Brandon like fly and shit. Yeah. And, he, he was a yeah. furry creature. He was not like, uh, he wasn't like Gizmo, but he was like a furry little animal Furby looking creature thing. Yeah, that's right. It had like weird antenna fucking things and yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. And he used to masturbate a lot. Oh, yeah. That's how it got its powers. He got his powers from jerking off. <laughs> a tale as old as time. His penis was like fucking, it was like a, like a, it was like a unicorn. It was like a, all these different colors. Yeah. And then that's what Rainbow Bright was actually a spinoff. Yeah, Rainbow Bright was off. a spinoff because like he, yeah, he fucking jerked <laughs> off and created her. Yes. She came out of his penis. <laughs> 
Wow. It's crazy. I'm learning a lot about these 80s cartoons. No, man. Yeah, dude, it was fucked up. Hey, Neil. Did you yeah. did you watch Happiest Season? I did. That was on Hulu. This is a holiday romantic comedy that captures the range of emotions tied to wanting your family's acceptance, being true to yourself, and trying not to ruin Christmas. The film stars Kristen Stewart. Big, big ensemble cast here. Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Allison Brie, Aubrey Plaza. You know, Aubrey Plaza, Allison Brie, and Brie Larson, I always confuse their names. <laughs> yeah, that's easy to do. I looked at a piece of brie cheese one time and I thought it was Aubrey Plaza. It's, it's like I get so <laughs> I look I get so confused with all these brie's. We Allison Brie, Aubrey Plaza, Brie Larson, Febreze. I, I Febreze. For the longest time I thought Febreze was starring in that Netflix show Glow. It was so weird. I was like, like why why did they cast a bottle of Febreze? Yeah, I'll never forget the time you sprayed Brie Larson on your couch. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, Whoa. I wanted to. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that like a, 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 like a Pornhub category? Yeah, well, they, <laughs> there's a whole section of Pornhub where I'm just humping my couch, yes. <laughs> you got to go premium for that, though, Neil. Uh, you. Oh, D- damn. Dan Levy stars in this. Mary Holland, Victor, Victor Garber. Victor Garber. The guy who fucking in, in Titanic, he's the guy who designed the ship. He's like, I, sorry, I couldn't have built you a better ship, Rose. And she's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's so sad. Yeah, when, he's so sad. Sinking. Sorry, I couldn't build you a better ship, Rose. I fucked up. Now your boyfriend's going to fucking die while you're fucking laying on that goddamn door that could fit two, but apparently can't fit two. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> he was also in Legends, he was also in Legends of Tomorrow. And then Mary Steenburgen, fucking Ted Danson's wife is in this as well. Oh, I love her. Yeah, I love her too. Yeah. She's, she's an amazing Thanks the curb. <laughs> curb your enthusiasm. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm more of a fan of her stuff in Curb than I was her, of a fan of her stuff in, uh, back Future three. Yeah, I mean I always liked her, but Curb just made me love her. Yeah, I loved her in Curb. Fantastic in Curb. What'd you think of Happiest Season, Neil? Um I thought that obviously the cast was awesome, but it was mostly wasted. Um I didn't like the central plot. I, I thought it was kind of a a tropey bad conceit that was only there to create some artificial drama. Uh, I, for me, it, it was trying to straddle this line between like a broad comedy and like the, a heartfelt family flick um, that was trying to explore some real issues. And it kind of failed at both of those things for me. Um, it, I mean, it was well-meaning and all, but it felt mostly like hollow performative bullshit to me overall um i i really did like the performances of allison brie aubrey plaza and dan levy yeah but it felt like everybody else was really not only just underutilized but they failed to make a mark on screen other than their their tropey character broad character characterizations that they had I mean, it's it's 
fine, I guess, mm. is the best I can say. I'll give it like a, a taste. It. it it's it, if you like Christmas, like you know, kind of hollow Christmas movies. This you'll probably enjoy this, but I, I didn't particularly like watching it. I, it just it felt really flat to me, uh, and. I actually thought Kristen Stewart did a pretty decent job. I thought she was fucking great. I loved her character. Yeah. I loved her character. Here's the thing with yeah. this fucking. I'm gonna. You know what? Uh, mild spoilers for this one. Mild spoilers for Happiest Season. You have a couple that is going to meet. It's a lesbian couple that's going to meet Mackenzie Davis's family over Christmas. And here's right. the here's the big twist: is that you know Kristen Stewart goes along. Her character goes along to meet this family, to meet Mackenzie Davis's family. Her family is very conservative and political and come to find out when they're on their way there, she reveals to her that she hasn't told her family that she's come out. Right. And so throughout this entire movie, Neil, I am hating Mackenzie Davis and oh, her and her family and the way that this movie kind of just like makes you hate them so much i don't feel like the ending is earned at all oh, at all i i feel like they they've made me kind of just sour on a lot of these characters so much that i just i am so much I, I, I'm so much invested in Kristen Stewart and like what she wants. I know what she wants from a relationship that like I feel like she's not getting it here, and I just want her to get the fuck out of there the entire time. I wanted her to hook up with Aubrey Plaza. Thank you. Me too. Like, dude, that I, was the relationship that made sense to me. Yes, not this other bullshit thing that happened. Thank the, you. Saccharine ending. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so just, much. It, I was hoping it, it that it like w- it could have gone in a good direction, yeah. and then swerved to be this bullshit family Christmas m- movie. Yeah, that failed. Yeah, on every aspect. <laughs> I agree, dude. I kept thinking, I, dude. When you said Aubrey Plaza, I kept saying the same fucking thing. I was hoping that the movie would just like fade out and then go to like one year later, and we see them two together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'll give it a taste. It as well. I love Dan Levy. I'm a huge Shit's Creek person like same i love schitt's creek you know and like and i thought his character was different enough from david oh uh, yeah it, it yeah. wasn't jarring like it, it didn't <laughs> seem like he was pigeonholing himself the, to the fish <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are some really fun moments in this just yeah. really funny things that happen yeah but overall like i wish they had leaned farther in either direction of either broad slapstick comedy or heartfelt family film i agree like, dude it didn't it needed to pick a lane yeah me. i agree it was a little too all over the place the mystery of db cooper on hbo neil did you get a chance to see this i did how familiar are you with db cooper overall i mean i'll let me actually before we uh, yeah I want to talk about D.B. Cooper. Who is the man, D.B. Cooper? But, like, how familiar were you with this case before going into this movie? I'm just curious. A little bit. Um, my main 
my first, I think my first introduction to D.B. Cooper mythos was the movie Without a Paddle, starring Matthew Lillard, Seth Green, and Dax Shepard. Oh, wow. Uh, for me, <laughs> it it's, the for early me, 2000s. yeah, for me, it's like going back to like the early 90s, maybe late 80s, but early 90s, uh, the episode, I think it was, no, I think it was 90s, the episode of, uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Mm. Where Robert Stack was covering D.B. Cooper. And that's interesting. Yeah, that's a great fucking episode too. But, nice. um, yeah. Yeah, so it was that movie, that comedy kind of, that was, I, I had fun with it, but it was them, you know, going off and searching for D.B. Cooper's money. Yeah. Basically, as adults, you know, after being obsessed with it. I love kids. that movie, that fucking, that part where they all have to huddle up when they're cold and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just funny. They, what what R and B song did they start playing when they fucking had to like get all? They were all cold and wet, and they all had to huddle up. They started playing oh. like a fucking R and B song, like a real sexual song. These three hetero guys had to like cuddle yeah. up and shit. Oh, it was funny, dude. Oh my yeah, god, it was Seth? Gr- <laughs> it, it was very much of its time. Very much, dude. It was so funny. Oh. Yeah. But man, I, this, I followed like all the DB Cooper stuff. Like I think A&E had like a documentary that came out maybe a year ago. I talked about it on the show. I've watched all the unsolved mysteries. I've watched like everything DB Cooper that I could ever consume. There were even DB Cooper comic books. Like this guy <laughs> is, has ca- captured like, you know, uh, the uh, people's imaginations. Like who is DB Cooper? Who, is, and nobody knows to this day. The FBI finally closed the case. Like they don't fucking yeah. know. And it takes a look at the case, um, which is regarded as the greatest unsolved heist in American history. Uh, this was directed by John Dower. He also directed the boxing documentary Thrilla in Manila, which is the uh, documentary about the Ali and Frazier fight. And um, D.B. Cooper is the pseudonym of an unidentified man who hijacked a Boeing 727 aircraft in the United States airspace between Portland and Seattle on the afternoon of November 24th, 1971. The man purchased his airline ticket using the alias Dan Cooper, but news of a news miscommunication became known in popular lore as D.B. Cooper. He extorted $200,000 in ransom, equivalent to $1,260,000 in 2019, and parachuted to an uncertain fate. Despite an extensive manhunt and protracted FBI investigation, the perpetrator has never been located or identified. It remains the only unsolved case of air piracy in commercial aviation history. And man, oh my God, like, like I, it, all these fucking documentaries about D.B. Cooper, we are no closer to knowing who the real, real D.B. Cooper is. <laughs> I really liked how they, how they structured this documentary with the four big suspects. Yeah. Um, and kind of going into each one and why they could be D.B. Cooper or Dan Cooper. Um, and then like each one. It's like, oh, yeah, it's totally that guy. And then the next one comes up. It's like, oh, no, wait, it's that guy. Or, <laughs> right. it, or then it's that lady. <laughs> you know, everyone has a very compelling argument. Yeah. With a lot of evidence to suggest that they are Dan Cooper. And it, it was it was a really good – it was a fun watch. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, um, yeah. 
I don't know if this is like the best entry point for DB Cooper though. I think there's other documentaries that you maybe should watch first. Maybe even like the, the unsolved mysteries episode with Robert Stack would be a better place to start and then move into this one. So this is, this is a good one if you know the story a little bit. Yeah. Like if you, if you're already kind of familiar with, with the story, this is a good documentary to kind of explore the mythos and, the 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 deeper mystery of it rather than a you know a, a the first dive into it i mean i'll give this one a high taste for sure just because yeah. i do have a little bit of familiarity with the story but yeah if you if you're a newbie trying to get into this i i would yeah as you said check out something else first <laughs> yeah yeah i i think you have to be a little bit more familiar with this one to to enjoy this one i i'll also give it a high taste it I mean, it's like, it's like, man, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's just like, part of me is just like, uh, maybe it's like, it should never be figured out who this guy is. Like, that's part of the appeal of this fucking story. It's like, and, 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 yeah. and nobody was hurt, you know, except for D.B. Cooper himself. Like, this guy jumped maybe. out. <laughs> yeah. This guy jumped out of a plane, they think somewhere in Washington state. And like, he could have, when he jumped out of the plane, like in these very cold temperatures, um, at 10,000 feet, he could have fucking, dude, the likelihood is he fucking might have just fucking died and fucking fell and <laughs> like hit a tree. You know what I mean? And yeah. fucking died. And nobody's been able to find his body. And they're like, you know, who knows? Years from now, somebody might find this guy's fucking body. But, yeah. and then they talked about the money that they found washed up on the shore. That was very compelling. Yeah. When, but when, if you watch the Unsolved Mysteries episode where they talk about where that kid finds that money, they said that the money had been in the Unsolved Mysteries episode, Neil, they said that the money had been burned. That the money had, uh-huh. they didn't talk about the money being burned in this documentary. They said that they believed that DB Cooper was so cold that night that he took like, Three, the money. that he took like $3,000, $10,000 or whatever it was and burned it to stay warm. Yeah, that. But they never mentioned that the money was burned in this documentary. So I don't know if that's been like. How can you mistake that the money had been burned? You would. Yeah, yeah. It, it should have some charring on it, you know. Yeah. I, I give it a high taste as well, and like, you know, if you can't find anything else on DB Cooper, if you go to Annie, and if they don't have anything up there, then watch this. But man, I think. Dude, it's one of those fucking stories that it's also like, you know, I always wonder, like, was Brushy Bill the real Billy the Kid? You know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and like, I I like how they kind of touched on uh, how he has become this sort of mythological figure. Yeah. In in American, you know, during that time we were going through a recession, and he was really seen as somebody who stuck it to the man, and, yeah, and, and just made his own way. So like, he he did capture the the imagination of the American people at that time, and because he's never been found, it's it's really just kind of grown exponentially in, in the myth the mythos of this character. Yeah, we don't know who, again we don't know who he is and there's <laughs> compelling arguments for multiple people to have been this guy yeah ah 
Oh, just the, just the fact that there's a woman that got to spend time with him, that stewardess that got to spend time with him. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, and, and, you know, they, they've shown her pictures of like all these different suspects and she still doesn't know like which one is exactly could be that guy. Yeah. Could, could be that guy. Yeah. Could be that guy. Doesn't know. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I, dude, I, I highly recommend anything that you can find on DB Cooper. Watch it. It's super compelling, super interesting. Hillbilly elegy. Neil, did you watch this? This is the Netflix movie. I did. It's based on the best-selling memoir by J.D. Vance. Hillbilly Elegy is the modern exploration of the American dream and three generations of an Appalachian family, as told by its youngest member, a Yale law student forced to return to his hometown. The film is a modern exploration of the American dream through three generations of the Vances, an Appalachian family, most notably focusing on J.D. Vance's relationship with his troubled mother and her ongoing addiction to heroin along with the love and care of his supportive grandmother uh it's directed by ron howard the film stars glenn close she plays the grandmother amy adams who plays the heroin addicted mom gabriel basso uh he plays jd vance gabriel basso looks like the uh love child of uh mark ruffalo and chris pratt (laughs) totally You know what I mean? Very, yeah. 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 Uh, Haley Bennett, Frida Pinto, Bo Hopkins, and Owen, Owen Astelos. Um, what did you think? Dude, this has been getting, this is weird. This, critics have been panning this movie 25% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics to an 81% audience score. Where do you fall in line with this one, Neil? Do you feel like this movie did not hit all the themes of the book? I didn't read the book. Apparently, <laughs> apparently this movie did not, it did not focus enough on the poverty. And that's why the critics are very much uh, opposed to this movie, that it did not focus on the poverty. And they feel like this was kind of just like focusing on like the, uh, the emotional stuff in the family that, and it was just kind of like a, they're trying to make this an Oscars darling. Um, wh- where do you fall in line? Um, I didn't read the book either. I, I did think that the performances overall were really goddamn good. Goddamn Glenn Close. Uh, Glenn fucking Close. So good. She, oh my God. So fucking I'm, good. I'm not even rating the movie yet, but Tupperware the fuck out of Glenn Close in this movie. Oh yeah, for sure. She, she was fucking fantastic. So good. I mean, Amy Adams was great in this too. Um, yeah, yeah. But... I didn't think any of the characters themselves were especially likable, except for maybe Usha, um, the girlfriend. She was the only character I actually liked in this movie. Um, I I thought the pacing of the movie was pretty awkward. Like it, the you know the the way it switched from time periods. Yeah, it it felt a little jarring at times. this had a lot of Ron Howard schmaltzy bullshit that he does in a lot of his movies. I'm not a big Ron Howard fan as a director. I I don't like, he's a fine director for the most part, but he's not like on the level of like Spielberg or or something. When he's on, he's on though. Like with like Apollo 13, like when he's on, he's fucking on. He Uh, makes good movies a lot of the time. Yeah. they, there's nothing special about them to me like that really screams Ron Howard. 
um, he doesn't have like his own singular vision, except for maybe you know the schmaltiness that there there was. And there was so much yelling in this movie, and uh, I had a hard time getting through it. I, I mean, did this did this well episode did this movie remind you of a drunken belligerent host on a podcast, possibly? <laughs> Well, it was less compelling than the drunken belligerent. So <laughs> there's good that. answer. <laughs> um, I'll give it a taste. It just because it is decently well made. I mean, the beats are there. It's got great performances. Yeah, uh, but it didn't do anything for me. Like it wasn't special to me at all. It just felt like another Oscar Beatty kind of movie that I don't. I, I could see getting some nod for the performances, the actors, but I don't think the it's a best picture or should be a best picture contender. It, it's it's fine. Yeah. And it, that's about all I can say about it. I it's think fine. I'll give it a high taste it because of the performances of Amy Adams and um, Glenn Close. I feel like the movie fails in telling me like there's a moment where you kind of get a feeling of like you're understanding why the grandmother is letting the mother get away with certain things. Mm-hmm. There's a moment in the movie where you understand kind of like why the grandmother, yeah, l- let, let Amy Adams character get away with certain things growing up. Yeah. But I don't think it fully explores the past it goes it keeps going back to the past but i don't think it explores it enough to where we understand like why we should be so much more sentimental towards the mother and like her struggles and what she went through and what yeah, this totally. and what this family has gone through yeah uh, the way it portrayed some of the characters yeah. uh, was just com- they were just kind of assholes all the time and there was no redeeming qualities to any of them and if there had been moments of, of like tenderness that were accentuated it might have changed my view on it yeah um, but it, i just didn't i didn't like any of the characters really at all and one of the main folk like main priorities of a movie is to make you care about say the protagonist and i kind of wanted him to fail <laughs> Yeah, I didn't like him, and I didn't like I'm, really. Any- I I think we do. I I think there is a way to make a movie where we don't care about anybody, but the story's so compelling that we. Yes. This is not that movie, though. It is not that movie. It's not that movie. <laughs> this movie, you should care about somebody by the end of it, right? Like it's yeah, set up that right. way. I think that there are movies where that we can follow where everybody's a piece of shit. Like, I I love the movie Parasite. I think Parasite is a fucking great movie, but everybody in that movie is doing something shitty. Mm. Right? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Well, okay. Watch Parasite. Everybody's doing something shitty in that fucking movie and trying to get something over on somebody. Some people are in better positions and they're, you know, in, uh, in their economic status than other characters. It's hard to root for anybody in particular in that movie, but the story's so goddamn compelling that I love the fucking movie. But nobody's, there's nobody that is just like, that is just perfect. You don't have a fucking Snow White in that fucking movie. That's just like, <laughs> that you're just like, oh my God, or a Cinderella that you just want to succeed. Cause everybody's doing something shitty in that movie. And I think, but I think Parasite's like one of those rare movies where like, 
the story's so goddamn good that you can almost not care about like not all these characters are like you know. Or you look at like something like the Usual Suspects, where they're all yeah, yeah. pretty shitty people. Yeah, and, yeah, but yeah. they're all compelling. Even the and director the story itself. Is even, yeah, even, the, the director. even the director. <laughs> <laughs> but like the movie itself is compelling because it's well crafted, right. And the story is interesting. Right. This, the story I don't really care about. Uh, I mean, yes, I feel bad for people who grew up in poverty. That's not even the issue. It, it's this guy isn't an interesting character as portrayed in this movie. Yeah. Reading the book, it might be a completely different experience. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I really wanted to see more Kentucky stuff. Like that's the, the, the parts that I, I would have loved to see more of is yeah. him in, in Kentucky. And cause he said that we, movie starts off there mm-hmm. and it says that that's where he feels at home. Yet we never go back there. Right. Yeah, we never really do. Uncle Frank, what'd you think about Uncle Frank on Amazon Prime? In 1973, when Frank Bledsoe and his 18-year-old niece Beth take a road trip from Manhattan to Creekville, South Carolina, for their family's patriarch funeral, family patriarch's funeral, they're unexpectedly joined by Frank's lover, Walid. This is a comedy drama film. It's written by, uh, written and directed by Alan Ball. And Ball wrote the screenplay for American Beauty. Uh, he, he earned an Academy Award for Best uh, Original Screenplay for that movie. He also created the series Six Feet Under uh, for Showtime and then True Blood for HBO. Was, no, Six Feet Under, was that HBO? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, this film stars uh, Paul Bettany. We know him as the Vision in uh, in the Marvel Universe. And also stars Sophia Lillis from the It movies. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Peter McDizzy uh, plays Walid, which is, um, I found this, uh, Steve Zahn's in this too. Steve Zahn's, in, oh god, it's, yeah, it's got Steve Zahn in Steven it. Steven Root. Uh, Steven Root as Daddy Mac. <laughs> The original Daddy Mac before the Mac Daddy before, you know, crisscross made you want to jump. He was the original Daddy Mac. But, um, and St- Judy Greer playing a, a character she's never played before in any movie, a mother. Um, <laughs> but uh, this, uh, Peter McDizzy, who played Walid, this is, this, I found out this while watching I did some research on this. I wanted to find out if Uncle Frank was based on a true story. And it's not, but Alan Ball played around with the idea for this film for years before the final script took shape. This is from Cinemaholic. He claims that the film is not based on a true story. However, it strongly reflects certain aspects of his personal journey. For example, Frank's past bears a strong resemblance to Alan's father's youth. His father also called Frank supposedly lost an old partner, Sam Lasseter, who died by suicide in the local lake. He pulled that and he pulled a little bit of his own story in here because Alan Ball's real domestic life partner is this actor, Peter McDizzy, who played Waleed and has shown up in many of his other films. Um, yeah. Um, but this is the story about, um, it's the story about this young girl who grows up in this in this family in South Carolina that's very kind of like, you know, traditional and and uh in the set very conservative Christian and in the in the nineteen seventies and, and um Frank is is a gay man who 
moves to New York, becomes a professor and has like this completely separate life in New York. But when he comes back to his family is like still kind of like, you know, not out with his family and, um, but has been in a relationship with Waleed for the past 10 years. And even to the point where he's like faked, faked, um, a girlfriend that he's seeing and they both had yeah <laughs> same girl <laughs> right and so like he has like this this meaningful conversation with um Sophia Lillis's character um and when she's like 16 or something like that about like you know her being true to herself and like there's a whole world outside of South Carolina and so it like that speech that he gives to her like inspires her and she uses her smarts and like all the things that she's been working for towards school to like get a, get a scholarship and go to school in New York and spend more time. And she actually gets to go to the same school that her uncle Frank is a professor at. And it kind of like opens up this whole movie where we find out more about Frank's uncle Frank's past and the the father played by Stephen Root, Daddy Mac, dies, and he's brought back home to South Carolina, and a lot of these con- things kind of like come out. And I, I, what did you think about this one, Neil? I fucking loved this movie. I'm gonna straight up Tupperware the fuck out of it. Uh, the cast obviously was fantastic, even if some of them were underutilized. Yeah. Um, Margot Martindale. Margot Martindale is yeah. very underutilized. I love her, right? She's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. I mean, it was funny. It was super sweet. It was really touching. And there was some real dark stuff also in it, but it was really well balanced. Um, I, that's one thing I, I really remember, like, thought about while I was watching it was just how well balanced the uh the super deep stuff was with these moments uh these lighthearted moments and, and these funny bits and um that exploration of, of, of like sexuality in the 70s yeah was really fascinating i loved wally he oh thank you thank you stand out he was so good i Just loved him the depth of his character from you know being very supportive and, and funny but then also going through some real shit on his own. And, um, I think like, like Steve's on obviously was underutilized. Yeah. But I, I but it, the story wasn't about his character. It was about uncle Frank. Yeah. So like the fact that they were able to get all these big actors to play such, you know, smaller parts, um, I think really spoke to how good the script was and like his, his comment near the end of, of no problem just fucking got me. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, this, this movie was fan fucking tastic. Total Tupperware. This was the best thing you had me watch this week. <laughs> I, I agree. I loved this movie so much. I loved Waleed. I loved Waleed. I loved the love that he had for Frank. I felt yeah. like this is like the perfect guy that he should have in his life but he also wasn't going to put up with any bullshit like this story also yeah. deals with like you know things what, what happens when you're trying to deal with like the fact that your family is like super unsupportive and to the point where like they want to disown you because of like you know your lifestyle oh, yeah like what does that, that lead will reading yeah oh the, oh the will reading was just like heartbreaking <sighs> and the fact that like you know he's going through his like alcoholism and things like that but like Wally loves yeah. him so much but he's like man i will not fucking 
And we saw like what he had to go through. Like we know we like we saw a little bit of like what he had to go through before in this and we understand like why he doesn't want to go through it again. Man, this this movie hit really fucking hard. It it it's hit the really fucking length hard. too. Yeah. Yeah. I Tupperware it as like, well. And it was paced really well. Um, you got just enough backstory, and it was parsed out in, in you know, a really natural way. And Jake, man, you got to watch this movie. It is fan-fucking-tastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll check it out. What's it on? Amazon. It's an Amazon Prime original. So it's okay. it's actually from Amazon Studios. I'm sure that they wanted to have this come out theatrically, kind of like the, you know, what was it, the the big... Oh God! What was that movie that with uh, Kamel Nanjiani, The Big Sick? I'm sure that they like that's what Amazon Studios does. They have like a lot of their movies come out in theaters, um, and then they have a three month window in theaters. And after three months, then it premieres on Amazon Prime. I'm sure that's what they wanted to do here, but with COVID, they were just like, let's drop this on Amazon Prime. And like this movie just came out of nowhere, and I thought it was fucking fantastic. So good. Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank, and it's yep. so good. Um, have you guys seen the trailer? And I, I know you guys haven't been to theaters recently, but I've been to the theaters until they they closed again here. But there's it's a movie called The Father with Olivia Coleman and um, Anthony Hopkins. Mm-mm. Watch the no. trailer. If you haven't seen the trailer for this one, fucking watch it. It's also got the girl from yesterday. I don't know what her name is, but I think she's fantastic. She's the main lead, the love interest in yesterday. The that Imogen Poots. Yeah, Imogen Poots. <laughs> I love that name, Imogen Poots. It's a great name. It sounds. Yeah, just, it sounds like it, the trailer. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Imogen Poots sounds like um, another word for queefing. I'm sorry. That's. <laughs> No, you're not I wrong. I always think of it as like farting. Well, that's what a queef is. It's a pussy fart, Neil. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> this movie has a hundred uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Good, Uncle Frank. For the, no, co- the father. Oh, the father. Oh, the father. Yeah. God damn it. The father looks really good. You got watch the trailer for the father, everybody. If you haven't seen the trailer for this one, watch the trailer for the father. Anthony Hopkins. Oh my God. He's so, how old is Anthony Hopkins? 80 something. And this guy is still fucking like, it's sad when we hear about these actors that can't fucking remember their lines anymore. Like they're, they're hitting that age. Like, you, you know, like Sean Connery before he passed, like one of the reasons that he kind of retired was like, you know, it's harder to remember these lines. Same thing happened with, uh, with Gene Hackman, uh, Hackman yeah. Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson, yeah, these guys they they hit this age and like they just can't they can't remember the lines like they used to. But man, Anthony Hopkins, what the fuck is this guy doing? I'm telling you, this guy is a fucking machine. He killed it in Westworld. He fuck even he even made a Transformers movie fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking feat. That's a fucking feat, man. I had a fucking bla- I didn't the Transformers movie was garbage, but just watching Anthony Hopkins in a Transformers car driving around and shit was a fucking blast. He was having a blast during that movie. And like, I don't know, man, Anthony Hopkins, Jesus Christ, this guy is a fucking he's on a tear. He is so goddamn good. This movie, The Father, watch the trailer for this one, guys. I'm not kidding you. Olivia Coleman, Imogen Poots, Anthony Hopkins. It looks like it's going to be like it's a it's going to be a mind fuck. What is real? What is not real? Is this guy going through some kind of like dementia? 
um, what's going on here with this movie? It's a, it's a serious mind fuck. This trailer, like I, yeah, I just, I just bookmarked it. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Uh, Belushi, Jake, we saw, you, me and you both saw Belushi. This is the John Belushi documentary that, uh, premiered Sunday on Showtime last Sunday. I watched this day of, when did you watch this? It might be even fresher on your mind. I watched it Friday night. Man, um, collaborations with family and friends, and uh, it explores his life. Previously unheard tapes of John Belushi. We've got uh, interviews with Dan Aykroyd, Jim Belushi, Penny Marshall, Lorne Michaels, Carrie Fisher, Chevy Chase, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis, man. It's fucked up to hear Harold Ramis talking about John Belushi. Harold Ramis passed away. But, man, it seemed like Harold Ramis really kind of, like, understood kind of like what this guy was going through, and, and he understood that, you know, the life that he was living, this indulgent life that he was living was not going to end well. Jane Curtin, Ivan Reitman, uh, and then his high school sweetheart, uh, Judy Belushi, was a big kind of focus on this as well. It talks about him growing up in Wheaton, Illinois, near Chicago. Talked about his family life with, you know, him and his brother Jim and his father, who wasn't a funny man. And, um... Yeah, what did you think about this one, Jake? I mean, we all know John Belushi passed away, um, you know, drug overdose, and um, one of the passed away at thirty three, and uh, you know, it wasn't at thirty three? That's the age where where uh, Chris Farley died too. Yeah, I believe you're correct. Yeah. I, I loved this. This was an absolute Tupperware for me. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything about Belushi that got me more inside of the man. Like, I, I learned more about yeah. the man, John Belushi, from this than anything I've ever read or watched before. But it still feels um, like we don't know everything, though, right? No, he's still very mysterious. Yeah. Um, it was crazy hearing um, both... Harold Ramis and Carrie Fisher talk about him. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the stuff about his, um, I, I guess eventual wife, Judy Belushi. Yeah. Um, I, I thought her interviews were absolutely fascinating. How much she harbored the guilt of what happened to him. All the personal and, and, notes and letters that he fucking wrote to her. They showed those letters on the screen in this. Yeah. I loved that. I loved the animations they did to show us some of the events in his life. I thought that was really cool. Like a lot of the new Belushi interviews that we were hearing for the first times were, were shown with drawing animations. Right. And I thought that was just spectacular. I'm a huge SNL fan too. And I love hearing the history of SNL. And I was, fascinated by the feud of him, him and Chevy Chase Lord Michaels. Yeah. Well, the Chevy Chase stuff that came later, but just right from the beginning, like him coming in and telling Lauren Michaels that he basically thinks TV sucks. Yeah. And, yeah. and all that stuff. And Lauren Michaels wasn't going to hire the guy. Right. Like, and you know, he eventually became the biggest star on the, on the show as soon as Chevy Chase left. And right. just hearing about him, filming animal house and blues brothers it was so i never it made me want to rewatch blues brothers especially when they talked about how you can even see in the movie when he's the drugs are just hitting him too hard and right. he's not really giving it his all and they yeah. showed a few scene examples of that and when you watch him in that context you're like yeah he's just fucking going through the motions right there he's not even being funny mm-hmm. and uh oh, i thought this was very very good i and thought it was 
I thought it was very good. I think it's the best thing that we're ever going to fucking see or even try to attempt to like understand who he was. But on the flip side, at the end of the day, it's like, I, Jake, I don't know why he, like, I understand he had this insatiable appetite and wanted to like just fucking party and all this shit. But like at the end of the day, like I can't, the only thing I can wrap my head around is like, he was just a drug addict. Yeah, it has to be. He had so many good influences around him that didn't want him to do this. Yeah. That at the end of the day, it was him that couldn't stop. Exactly. He was just a dude. He was a fucking heroin addict and he fucking got he died. That's it. I mean, Dan Aykroyd was one of his best friends and they hung out like every fucking day. And Dan Aykroyd had nothing to do with any of these kind of drugs. Right. And so like even he couldn't put any kind of stop to this where did it come from though like why why okay there's got to i don't even think that the documentary the documentary is it's a tupperware this is fantastic this is the best thing i've ever seen from like a belushi related anything because like i years ago tried to watch the movie wired Oh yeah, I remember that we've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a terrible movie, and I stopped watching it. And I remembered as I was watching it that this was the movie that Dan Aykroyd came out to the press and said, "Do not watch this fucking movie. That is not my friend, and this is this is disrespectful." They basically turned John. Listen to this, Neil. They turned John Belushi's story into a um, like. What is it? A Christmas Carol with Scrooge where yes. he's like reliving. They've got John Belushi has died, drug overdosed, and he's reliving his fucking life and seeing how he's like ruined his life. Yeah, I remember you talking about that on a previous episode I was on. I, got, I remember what the context yeah, was, but I, got, yeah, I, I got, remember you berating the movie. <laughs> I got 30 minutes into that fucking movie. After and then realized like, oh, my God, yeah, this is the fucking John Belushi movie that Dan Aykroyd told everybody not to watch. And I was so fucking put off by that movie that I just turned it off because it is it's super disrespectful. I cannot believe they fucking made that movie. It's sickening, especially so soon after he died. Right. Yeah. I mean, the movie came out in the late 80s. Five years after he died, I believe it came out. in the Yeah, it came out in the late 80s. He died in 82. So it came out in like. It, it wasn't 1990 yet. This came out in the late 80s. Yeah, extremely fucking disrespectful. Dude, this fucking documentary is fantastic. I think we, I learned more about John Belushi than I ever fucking knew. But on the flip side, I don't even think that they know or anyone will ever know when, what went on inside of that man's head to make him turn into, go from basically the, funniest person on the planet to turn into basically just a heroin addict who's self-destructive and, 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 and died. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think we'll ever be able to understand fully with the pain that this guy was going through. And I think at the end of the day, he just died a drug, a heroin drug addict, which is super sad. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I really liked the stuff. Um, Ramus was saying about how, like, I see a lot of stuff where they beat around the bush about cocaine, and Ramus kind of comes right out and says, you know, it was almost encouraged back then. Yeah. The people that were doing our art and the kind of stuff we were doing, you know, it, people would tell you that it would expand your mind, it would kind of open up doorways in your brain. Fucking, uh, Robin Williams is doing it. Yeah, you know? yeah, Carrie Fisher kind of touches on that, yeah. too. Like, it, 
cocaine wasn't all that taboo, but Ramus is like, where the fuck did this heroin come from? Basically, right. yeah. Like no one, no one was saying, "Hey, you want to go next level funny? Try some of this heroin." Dude, he was, like that- dude, he was chasing the dragon, man. It was like. It was like everybody, like everybody that I've ever talked to that's ever done heroin or ever heard like an interview with heroin, they're like, the first time's always the best. So like, I don't know what kind of pain he was trying to fucking escape or whatever in his life, but it always felt like he was just trying to find like the next best high or, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's. Yeah, it, it was, it was crazy. It was really like hearkening some of this stuff that you were seeing. Like, yeah. I was blown away by on the, I think it was on the set of the Blues Brothers. He just fucking wanders off in a fucking <gasps> drug yes. stupor and like crashes at some random stranger's house. No, it was when he was filming neighbor. <laughs> it was, he was filming neighbors with Dan Aykroyd. Oh, was it neighbors? Yeah, it was, he was okay. filming neighbors with Dan Aykroyd and, um, a movie that was panned by critics and everybody hated it and said it was a bore. Yeah. But like they were talking about like how Belushi, like everybody in America loved him. He was like everyone's favorite, like comedian. He wandered off of the set and knocked on a random door. It might, no, it might've been blues brothers. You're right. Cause they, I think, fil- I think it was, you're right. Chi- uh, Chicago. It was suburb. Chicago and they filmed it in Chicago. So he like knocked on somebody's door in Chicago and said, hi, I'm John Belushi. Can I crash on your couch? He like rapes <laughs> her fridge and just fucking passes out on her couch. Yeah. <laughs> She's fucking crazy. That was fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> this is phenomenal. Oh, this is phenomenal though. Like this is like, the, I, oh my God, I'm so glad I watched this. Yeah, me too. Time flew by while watching it too. It's one of those things where it felt like I was only watching it for a half an hour. I was yeah. so engrossed in it and you know, it's a full two hour movie. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, I'll tell our listeners right now, both Animal House and Blues Brothers are on sale for $5 on most, on most digital platforms right now. Mm. Um, I already owned Blues Brothers, but I picked up Animal House yesterday and plan on watching it again in the next week. It's been probably 15 plus years since I've seen Animal House. Dude, I remember just I, I my first exposure to him was of course like and yours like Saturday Night Live watching that and like the you know syndication, you know I mean I I was I was too young to I, I was not I was, he you know like the primetime players that happened seventy five I was yeah. I wasn't even born yet so like I was watching this stuff when it was like you know in syndication. And so, like, that was my first experience. But, like, I remember watching, like, the, you know, him and all the different B sketches and all that stuff. I didn't know that that's what they relegated him to. Yeah, I didn't really realize the B thing was kind of the bullshit they relegated him to either. I kind of knew of his sketches before I knew who he was. Um, my mom, when I, like, one of my youngest members of my mom is her yelling out, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, Pepsi, Pepsi. <laughs> like, anytime we went to get fast food, she would yeah. make those jokes. And I, like, I knew those jokes before I even saw that sketch. Yeah. And it was, it was crazy to be reminded of that again. My mom always used to imitate the samurai stuff too. Like, yeah. I, I knew her imitations <laughs> of the samurai do you remember, stuff. Uh, do you remember, like, samurai optometrist? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All the different samurai jobs and everything. Yeah. Like, so it, it was just kind of one of those bizarre things where I knew a lot of his sketches and jokes before I even saw them. Right. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't remember a time where I didn't know these jokes. Are you sketches. a fan? Are you a fan of Spielberg's 1941? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I have it on 
the DVD. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I know it was like for a minute it seemed like Spielberg wasn't even going to have a career after making right. that movie. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it almost derailed the whole thing. Right. But yeah, I think it. I think it really holds up in time. I just watched it a few years ago, and I think it's funnier now than it was when yeah. it came out. Uh, Blues yeah, Brothers is, that was ahead of its time and, and really, really ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah, it, it's getting better with age. Blues Brothers is one of those. That's like the pinnacle, though. It's timeless. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize the the album went Billboard number one. I knew it was a big deal and that it you know it sold a lot and that they were a legit musical act and it was more than comedy. But I didn't realize the sales were were so strong. I actually looked that up after watching the doc. Mm. And man, they sold a shit ton of fucking albums. And to think that he was originally going to be. Bill Murray's character in Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ackroyd was writing that movie when he got the call. Well, and Eddie Murphy was going to be Zedmore. Zed, yeah, uh, yeah. Winston Zedmore, and they they had to cut back on like a lot of that character's dialogue once they cast. uh, Oh God, Hudson. Yeah, Ernie Hudson. Jesus, Ernie Hudson. I remember there being some controversy about that where. The script that Ernie Hudson signed on to was the original script where his character it's was true. Jigger. And he talks about that and, yeah, in interviews. I've heard yeah. of him. Yeah. Oh, he was so good in The Crow, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Oh, God. I love Ernie Hudson. I He's do, great. too. He's awesome, man. He's fucking cool. The Flight Attendant. Who watched The Flight Attendant? I did. Oh, I did. Yeah, The Flight Attendant. This is... uh I watched the first episode. How how far did you guys get into this one? I just watched the first episode too. M- Michelle wanted me to wait to watch more. She was really into it. What did you? I th- watched all three. You watch? Oh, okay, I can't wait to hear this because like I watched the first one. This is a HBO Max series. Flight attendant Cassandra Bowden wakes in her hotel room in Bangkok, hungover from the night before, with a dead body lying next to her. We've all been there. Oh, multiple times. Afraid to call the police. She every C two E two. Every C two E two. Every C two E two. Afraid to call the police. She continues her mourning as if nothing happened. Joining the other flight attendants and pilots traveling to the airport in New York, she is met by FBI agents who question her about her recent layover in Bangkok. Still unable to piece the night together she wonders if she could be the killer i kept thinking that to myself as well is she the killer has she blocked something out is she some kind of like jason Bourne agent where she doesn't fucking like remember that you know what she did is she in some kind of like black widow fucking thing where like she's been brainwashed and like different things make her i don't know Neil, I thought that for a while too. Yeah, like I don't know, Neil, because I haven't watched the second and the third episode. Maybe you, you you would know, and I don't know if you want to get into spoilers, but it's this stars Kaylee Cuoco uh, from The Big Bang Theory, and she's also the voice of Harley Quinn in the DC Universe animated series, which I also thought was crazy because Rosie Perez, who plays uh, Montoya, <laughs> yep. is in this as well. She was in the Harley Quinn uh, DC uh, the Birds of Prey movie, but anyway. Um, Jake, what did you think about the first episode of The Flight Attendant? I liked it quite a lot. It was a very high-tasted for me. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a really intriguing mystery. I thought the cold open was really, like, I was hooked before the title sequence happened. I thought the title sequence actually was amazing. It had a real, like, 
Catch Me If You Can. Yes. Mad meets Mad Men vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Kiss Bang Bang is what it reminded me of. Yeah, I thought that was really great. It has a really great jazzy score, too. I I really dug this. I, I'm definitely going to be watching more of this. And um, I think HBO Max has a hit here. I'm going to give the first episode a taste it. I, I liked it. I want to know where it goes. I think it's just like, I think like it really has to do something in the second and the third episode to really kind of like establish actually what's going on here in this fucking show. I mean, she goes out, she hangs out, she meets this guy who's sitting in 3C in this, uh, you know, um, uh, first class, uh, seat in this, in this airplane. He's flirting with her. She's flirting with him. They end up fucking in the airplane. They join the mile high club. And then she fucking, after that, they, they hook up and they hang out and they party and shit. They end up fucking at one point. Somebody else enters the room with them. That's kind of glossed over, but then brought over, brought up later in the episode. Yes. There's a third person there that got me interested in the whole mystery of the thing. But she wakes up the next morning with this guy's fucking neck slashed and blood all over the goddamn bed. She's got blood all over here and she's like, she's in Bangkok and she's forced to make the decision. Do I call the police? Do I report this? And she's seriously worried that she's going to be charged with this murder. She does not remember murdering this gentleman. That's not even a, that's not even a question at this point. She just wakes up and this guy's fucking neck has been slashed. Should she just fucking get the fuck out of there or does she call it in and get charged for it? She's in a foreign country. She's worried about the laws there. She's worried about being in a fucking foreign prison. And, uh, so she, she decides to fucking like clean up the mess and get the fuck out of there. And, uh, Kind of like where she's le- where, where we're left in the and in, in, by the end of the episode where she's going to be investigated by the FBI does not make herself look good when she tries to flee the fucking airport before she's questioned by the FBI. But uh, it had enough in there to make me like curious to watch the second episode. I haven't watched it yet. But Neil, you're three episodes in. They dropped three episodes, so this is like they're gonna. After this, I think they're gonna be dropping it week to week. They dropped the first three episodes. What did you think about this one, Neil? Yeah, uh, I, I loved how they got right into, right into the the main storyline with minimal exposition right off the gate, right off the bat. Um, I thought the pacing overall was phenomenal. Um, like when she breaks down, that was so believable. Um, it's it's very slick. It's very much like a, a '60s action noir ish kind of thriller. But it's got a ton of comedy in it as well, and I think it has the right mix of like intrigue and comedy. Um, as the story progresses, which you'll see, there's a lot of uh, exploration of her mental state and uh, her alcoholism. And um, I only know Kaylee Cuoco from. I, I never watched Big Bang Theory, but I know that she was in it, obviously. And I, I, my only experience with her really is from Harley Quinn. Was she in Charmed uh, as well? Charmed? She was only in the final season. Okay. Yeah, I never watched that. Um, but so I, I don't really know her as an actor. Uh, I thought she was absolutely phenomenal in this show. Uh, Did you know her as the actress that has the really weird last name that's hard to pronounce and you don't know if you're ever pronouncing it correctly? 
Michelle corrects me every time. How is it? How do you say her? Is it Cuoco? Yeah, I believe that is correct. <laughs> you yeah. see, you still don't even know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Wasn't she dating uh, Henry Cavill for a minute there? I think so. Uh, she was dating, uh, or, or was she dating, uh, she was dating, Army uh, Hammer. no, she was dating, uh, fucking, uh, Chris Pine. Okay. Uh, whatever. She was, uh, yeah, like that, you know, remember, <laughs> remember when we saw Chris Pine's penis in that one Netflix movie? <laughs> That's the penis that she had going in her vagina at one time. Okay. I okay. think so. I sure. think that's... I don't really keep up with that. I think that was the penis that she had inside of her vagina at one time, Neil. Nice, nice. That's that. I mean, that's probably a very nice penis. Uh, it, it, it's no Chris Evans, but it's definitely... <laughs> it's, it, was, it was a nice little Chris Pine. His pineus. It was a, his pineus. <laughs> Chris Pinus. <laughs> oh shit! I liked how um, I liked how she was always constantly talking to the dead body. Does that continue in episode two and three? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It, it ramps up even more. Like that's a major aspect. Like that, I didn't see that coming. Where that was going to be like a major part of the story is yeah. her conversations with this dead body. Um, it, but it but it becomes one, and it's it's. Not just the dead body. It's like I, I, it's hard to explain without giving anything away, and I don't want to give anything away because it is a fantastic, uh, intrigue-filled ride that you're in for. Uh, I, I Tupperware the first three episodes. Oh, that's awesome, dude! I gotta, I gotta, yeah, keep, I gotta, is, yeah. It is fantastic. I cannot wait till the next episode drops. Okay, I am totally invested in this show. Uh, again, I have no frame of reference for Kayla Cuoco other than her Harley Quinn voice, which she does a great job at too. Yeah, and I she I I am sold on her as an actor. She is phenomenal in this. Rosie Perez has a has her own plot line going on, and that's great. Um, everybody involved in this has done a phenomenal job, and it, it is a great looking show. Um, like the production value is, you know, obviously HBO level, but it's 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 so slick, and the way it transitions between like what's happening in the real world and what's happening in her mind, and like the flashbacks and all this other stuff, it really melts really really well. The story is twisty and turny, and it's you get enough like resolution as you go along that that you're not frustrated but but it keeps you wanting to see more this is a mini series masterfully done it's a mini series yeah, it seems like it it's based on a book i believe um so i think you're correct I, it seems like it would be a limited series yeah um, yeah because they have one story to tell basically for this mm. and it's it's i i fucking love this show it is it is great. She, so I think um, she had Chris Pine's penis inside of her at one time. <laughs> <laughs> well, she definitely had this uh, Alex Sokolov's penis inside her. Yeah, uh, she did. Hold on, hold there's on. There's also this weird thing going on where she's a big animal lover, and you're you're seeing in the first episode brief flashbacks to why that could be. Yeah, there's something there that gets explored further. Uh, it was hold on. It was not. It, it was not Chris Pine. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, what's her name from fucking uh, uh, Olivia Munn dated Chris Pine. I apologize. 
Ah. Olivia Munn. Got Olivia Munn. She got <laughs> she got done Fine. by Chris Pond. <laughs> I apologize. It was not. No, uh, she dated uh, uh, G- uh, Galecki, the the fucking. I, oh, I knew that. I yeah, knew that. yeah. She didn't date Chris. I apologize. What are you saying? You guys are saying something more interesting and compelling than what I was. <laughs> there was there was an interesting subplot about her trying to save every animal and flashbacks involving her hunting with who I believe to be her father. Yeah. And they don't really explain that. Yeah. It seems like that may be connected to her drinking and just her lifestyle. Yes. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where that goes. Yeah. It, 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 it gets, I mean, there's, yeah, it's, it's really complex, but not like, it's not frustratingly complex. It's, it's more like, it, it's a lot of intrigue and, the, the story is, is evolving along with our viewing of it. And, uh, we're again, like right from the beginning, obviously we get right into the storyline without very much exposition. And we're kind of getting the exposition and dribs and drabs, um, placed really, really well. Would you say there's Not, more drabs than dribs or more dribs than drabs? Definitely more dribs than drabs. Oh shit. Um, Jake, I told you, I told you, I told you. <laughs> Me and Jake had a me and Jake had a fucking Facebook message, and I yeah, told I almost didn't record tonight. I, I dude, I told you I said there's going to be more drips than drabs, and Jake was like, "No, I'm uh, hashtag Team Drabs," and I was like, "Hashtag Team Drips," and so like I'm glad that you could clear that up for me, Neil. So I feel just hashtag oh, not sure. my drips. Yeah, hashtag those are hashtag those are my drabs. So I feel ju- I feel justified. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Right? Justified was uh, a was a show with Timothy Oliphant. Yes, and Mark yeah, where he basically plays show. the same character from Mandalorian. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, pretty much. And Hugo Weaving said, "I am not going to play anybody in this show that has to paint their face any color. <laughs> I will color. not be in any Disney made anything. <laughs> nothing. <ever again. laughs> nothing. Stop trying to no. paint my face in different colors." <laughs> I, I do think the show is is absolutely excellent, and uh, everybody, if you have HBO Max, should check it out. For Fucking sure. A. Fucking A. Hey, hey, Roku, get HBO Max, you sons of cunts. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I have so many friends that I ask if they have HBO Max, and they're like, well, it's not on Roku. I have Jesus to watch that. Christ. Dude, I have to watch that shit on my fucking uh, PS4. They just put it on Fire Stick if you have they one just, of those. I know, I know. The fucking only holdout is fucking Roku. Yeah, there's some HBO Roku beef that I'm not really too clued in <laughs> you on. Can, no, you I'm can, not even kidding. You can add, there is, but you can add um, HBO Max to your Hulu subscription if you want to. But, like, that's not how I want to. I don't want to access HBO Max's amazing interface through Hulu's shit interface. <laughs> And I don't, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if you pay for it through Hulu, it's just HBO on demand. I don't think it has the Max original programming on there. Hmm. Uh, that might be correct. I don't know. I'd have to look into that. I think it, so. I think the HBO Max had more dribs than drabs is what I've been hearing. The, the Hulu, the Hulu version of. Son of a bitch. I know. They don't, they have more dribs, but the HBO Max on Hulu doesn't have all the drabs. So. There you go. Yeah. That's just, I don't know. That's just rumor. 
Yeah, it's the, the, the subscribing to other streaming services through Hulu thing is kind of oh weird to God. me. So. Dude, dude, have you seen? Have you okay? Check this shit out. If you subscribe to Shutter for, I think it's five ninety nine. They upped it from five bucks a month to five ninety nine. So it's six bucks to get Shutter now. But if you have Shutter, but like, here's the thing: if you want to get AMC Plus, AMC Plus is eight ninety nine a month. And with AMC Plus, you get the AMC premieres days early. So if you want to watch the new Walking Dead or the new Walking Dead Beyond, you get to watch those on Thursday instead of waiting till Sunday. You also get Sundance Now, Sundance TV, BBC, and I think you get multiple, sh- you get multiple fucking, sh- but and you also get Shutter. AMC owns Shutter. So you get all of Shutter on AMC Plus as well. And AMC Plus is $8.99 a month. So for like two, like two or three dollars more, you get Sundance Now, BBC, Sundance TV, AMC Plus, which includes like AMC Plus original programming, like Gangs of London, all that shit for just three dollars more. If you want to do AMC Plus instead of Shutter, I'm just throwing it out there. So, I thought I thought that was fucking kind of cool. I canceled my Shutter because I'm gonna. Yeah, that's the way to go. If you're already getting Shutter, you might as well pay the three bucks and get the AMC upgrade. Because I think the AMC upgrade, if you're just getting it for that, is kind of a ripoff at that price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Flight attendant Neil says it's a fucking Tupperware. I gotta stick onto this shit, man. I was, dude, I was going into this being like, I don't know if it has enough to have me wanting to keep watching. Jake, you sounded like you were gonna keep watching regardless. Me, on the other hand, I was like, I don't know. It had enough there, but I don't know if I'm gonna keep watching this. I don't know if it's gonna stick the landing or anything. Neil, you're saying it's great to watch it. It is. I, I couldn't stop watching it. Uh, I watched all three episodes at once. It, it was. I was totally hooked the entire goddamn time. It was amazing. Uh, we got one more thing to talk about, and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, Super Intelligence on HBO Max. This is uh, the new movie uh, when an all-powerful Super Intelligence chooses to, average, to study average Carol Peters. The fate of the world hangs in the balance The as the AI decides to enslave, save, or destroy humanity. It's up to Carol to prove that people are worth saving. It's directed by Ben Falcone. Um, and written by Steve Mallory. The film stars Melissa McCarthy in her fourth collaboration with her husband, Ben Falcone. I'm going to start off by saying I, uh, tossed this movie. It's, it's the, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And <laughs> <laughs> it's all over the place. Was it Bobby Cannavale who's in this? And there's like a romance between him yeah, and her. And it's sort of. <laughs> fucking the dumbest shit i've ever seen and was it james corden is the voice of the ai in this and so basically james corden as james corden and it's like he's fucking trying to figure out this artificial intelligence is watching is 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 watching carol peter carol peters basically data's journey in star trek but done badly, you know. It's this. It's this artific- It's this advanced life form that's trying to be more human, and it. Oh God! But the, but he had this. This artificial intelligence has the power of basically starting like uh, 
like a human genocide like this yeah it, it can at any point like fucking start the end of hum- of humanity of s- human civilization or it can basically you know study carol peters and if he finds that humanity is worthy of surviving that uh, humanity can go on based on watching Melissa McCarthy hang out with fucking uh, uh, Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale. (laughs) If if they can fall in love together at a Whole Foods market, then... Or fall back in love. This movie is so fucking dumb. This is the dumbest fucking shit I've watched. You know, I I think there is a... There's a another better movie inside of this idea <laughs> this is not that movie no like the whole rom-com aspect of this really was cringy and, and felt bad for man. a movie like, for a movie titled super intelligence this movie is super fucking stupid yeah yeah for sure <laughs> i kind of enjoyed this movie <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like Did, hold on jake hold on did you watch this with your girlfriend no, I watched it by myself. Oh, okay. Now, now I have I no, kinda, I have no I respect for you at all cute, now. Kind of quirky and 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 fun. It wasn't fucking the greatest movie in the world, but it was a tasted for me. I I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought James Corden was was pretty funny as the voice of the AI, and I don't know. I I had a good enough time with this. Ah, uh, this movie can eat a fucking dick. This movie. <laughs> this movie like for me. For me, Melissa McCarthy has like there, there's a good Melissa McCarthy and a lot of stuff. I love her. Yeah, in a lot of things. I love her as and a I love her as a person. I loved her in that too. I love her as a person. I think she is super fucking talented. I think Melissa McCarthy yeah. needs to fucking like. I know that, and I think that her and Ben Falcone probably have a wonderful marriage. But she needs to stop making fucking movies with her husband. For God's sake, I Just agree. Stop. I agree. Yeah, the, 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 again, there's there's a good Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Even like this kind of Melissa McCarthy can be really good. This is not the good version of her. Like this is her playing all those tropes that made her famous, but not doing it the right way. There's like that one scene uh, where she gets out of the Tesla and she falls on her ass, and it's like, oh, that's yeah. that's the physical fucking comedy of Melissa McCarthy looking stupid. It's like, God damn <laughs> I was it. laughing at when she was looking stupid in the beanbag chair. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> well, yeah, there are funny aspects to this movie. Like there are funny scenes or funny moments. Yeah. There's the question scenes. of like, how did this movie ever get made? Like that, <laughs> I find that hilarious. Like who, who, who greenlit this movie? Like who thought this was a good idea? Like that's funny to me. <laughs> I think I'm in between both of you. Like, I'll give it a very, very low tasted yeah. because there are funny aspects to it. And then the overarching plot line um, kind of appeals to my revolutionary thinking. But this movie is not done well, in my opinion. And the cringiest aspects of it overwhelm the kernels of good things in it. This movie made me want humankind to be enslaved and destroyed by <laughs> hilarious by robots. I thought this movie was absolute trash. I hated this fucking movie. It was so dumb. It has like it, a 4.6 on IMDb. It's fucking terrible. 
<laughs> Fucking garbage. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Jake. Yeah, it was a fun enough movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll never watch it again. No, I always, <laughs> I always feel good when my friends enjoy stupid shit. Like, I love it when my friends watch stupid <laughs> crap. Dude, I, I enjoy a lot of stupid crap. And I know people listen to this podcast and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe Brian enjoyed this stupid crap. And, no, it's nice when other people enjoy stupid crap, not just me. So that's cool that other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't recommend this movie to anybody uh, <laughs> except for maybe Jake. Apparently, You're going to recommend me watch it again? Well, I mean, you like. I already saw it. Don't recommend me to watch it. No, no. Like, <laughs> hold on. Like, if if Neil didn't know that you watched this movie, he would go into this review and say, "Yeah, I think Jake would enjoy this movie." Everyone else on the planet would probably think this movie is trash, just like Brian. You know, normally I despise every single movie Melissa McCarthy's ever been in. I'm really not like I like her as a person. She but. was fucking. I loved the Spy. I thought The Spy was really funny, that Jason Statham spy movie that she was in. I did, too. And then yeah, what was... That, that was decent enough. What, she what, ruins SNL for me, though. What was the um, what was the Melissa McCarthy uh, drama movie that she was in where she played... Was she nominated for an Oscar? Yeah, it, I'm trying to remember what um, she played. She played an author, right? Who, author. Like, stole shit. Uh, yeah, author movie. She was, like, uh, selling the... The fake author. What was it called? Something that apology wasn't it? Like, Can you ever forgive me? Can you ever forgive yes. me? And that movie was with uh, her and uh, what's his fucking name? <laughs> it was with Richard E. Grant. That oh, movie. Amazing. That movie I saw it in theaters. Jane Curtin's in that one too. She was fantastic. Man, ben, yeah, fucking. Uh, that movie was fucking fantastic. Can you ever forgive me? That's a great fucking movie. I think, you know, I loved her when she was in like that drama shit. I think she's a naturally funny person too, like in real life. I think she's just a funny person. Like when she used to do fucking like, um, was she in Second City or Groundlings? She was in Groundlings. I think Groundlings. She was in Groundlings and she was really funny in Groundlings. I loved her in Bridesmaids. I thought she like, like her character in Bridesmaids was funny. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Bridesmaids is definitely her best movie. But man, well, it was like her breakout as a physical comedian. Yeah, and it was it felt natural in that setting because it was supposed to be that broad comedy. Whereas this mm -hmm. was, again, it's one of those movies that was trying to do two different lanes at the same time and failed at both. Totally, totally. I could not agree more. It failed at a romance, and it failed at like whatever the fuck else it was trying to do. <laughs> a slapstick comedy. Slapstick yeah. comedy. I thought it was garbage. Oh my god. <laughs> Guys, that's it. That's all we got this episode. We're not gonna do any news, any other bullshit. But thank you, Neil, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I mean Fucking I, I love talking to you guys. I'm glad I finally made some had some time to do so and you had some time to have me. Absolutely, man. Hey, where can people find you? Uh you can listen to my a sultry tones more on the Smorgasborg podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter at Smorgasbord Pod. I mean, I'm on social media. Just look up my name. I'm the only person in the entire world with my name. Uh, and I've been on a bunch of the Leftover Army members' podcasts, like Movies from the Heart, uh, What's Your Story, um, Fanning the Geekdom. I'm going to jump on, uh, what's it called? Uh, Stephen Mycell's podcast. Scenic Cast. 
Cinecast next week. I'm going to talk about two of the movies that we talked about today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, Picardcast, all those things. Uh, I'm fucking everywhere right now, and you cannot get away from me even you cannot, if you want to. You cannot. Seriously. Ugh. Seriously. <laughs> Fucking, you know, Neil has been all over the place. Neil has done more things, and like, like we found out that Chris Pine has not penetrated Kaylee Cuoco's vagina this episode. <laughs> but you know what? I'm betting that Neil, in some way, has. We, that's that's fucked up. You know, no. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Jake, thank you so much. Jake, before this episode started, we were going to fucking record, and then we found out that Jake had not watched the new episode of The Mandalorian, and you know what Jake did? Jake bit the fu- – it's not like he bit the fucking bullet, but we started the episode late so Jake could watch The Mandalorian. Jake, you're a fucking trooper, sir, for watching that fucking episode because I felt like that was a great fucking segment. Thank you. Thank you so much. I It was crazy watching that episode in those circumstances, and I, I don't know how I – um avoided any spoilers for that episode up until that point i was there was five or six just oh shit moments during that whole episode oh shit we're gonna end this one okay um (laughs) (laughs) no spinoff coming from this shit no thank god thank god Uh, the the only spinoff coming dead with fire the only spinoff coming from this show is every other fucking appearance on every other podcast that neil's doing but um, guys, just like all good leftover Sam, the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 358. See ya. Later, y'all. I got to hit stop. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, paint it, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and do the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, paint it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. 
love it, hey, let's face it, can't embrace it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers, uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers, the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.